I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about sling and stone. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube, and we're going through every game here in Week 15. I lied last week, Sam. I said it was a full slate, 16 games. Again, I forgot that the Cardinals and Commanders were off, but from here on out, the buys are done. You and I got to do uh, do all the work here. Just an endless stream of misinformation coming from you this oh, year. Oh, yeah. I've Look, my game picks have been far better than last year. That's true. But um, I've lied a lot. Yeah. I've, been, I've been wrong about yeah. a lot of stuff. So uh, we'll get right into it, right? we got a lot of games to get through, and we'll do the Discord game of the week. We'll do the best games of the week. But we're going to start with Thursday Night Football. Los Angeles Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are favored by three here on Thursday Night Football. We have Easton Stick starting at QB for the Los Angeles Chargers. Aiden O'Connell, of course, still going for the Raiders. And Keenan Allen is out for the Chargers, throwing another wrench in the Chargers' plans because, yeah, he's been the only dependable receiver this year. Yeah, that's pretty rough for uh, Easton Stick, or, you know, give him his full name, Easton Yellow Synergy Senior Hockey Stick, the 60th. Um, I pinged Pro Football Reference yesterday. Oh, is that now added as a with nickname? With your tweet. So I said, you know, please advise and make sure that gets added as a nickname. Yeah, at least. absolutely. I mean, look, it's not worse than some of the other nicknames that are up there that have never been attributed to anybody in the history I mean, there of There are some world. fun ones. Like, I've never heard this one. Right. Are you... Um, is there a nice acronym to that? What would uh, what would Austin Gale do with that? Oh yeah, he would definitely uh, acronymize it. E Y S S H S. So not really. Yish Yish. It's not a great one. Anyway, Easton Stick in his first NFL start here, mobile quarterback out of North North Dakota State. Yeah, with no wide receivers to speak of. Yeah, it's pretty rough going. Well, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to grind it out. Is there something to watch as far as uh, players? You know, I'm always looking at the the young players. They're going to be a part of the rebuild, of course, for uh, for each team. Um, we got a little bit of life from Tyree Wilson last week. Yeah, from the Raiders. Maybe his best game as a pass rusher in a uh, in a three zero encounter. Yes. Max Crosby looked relatively back. I mean, we talked sort of that week heading into the show, right? That or he- heading into the weekend that. He had been dealing with this knee injury. We showed a picture of his knee having swelled up to the size of Nebraska. Like the the swelling was the thing that was potentially keeping him um, from being himself. But he had eight pressures in that game against the Vikings. And it maybe didn't quite look like Max Crosby. had a couple of sacks there, but looked pretty close. I mean, looked better than he did the first game he was battling through that knee injury. So Max Crosby is always a pretty good reason to watch the Raiders play. Um, and sure, yeah, I mean, if, if Tyree Wilson is starting to show some signs of life, that would be encouraging, too. Well, he has a 44 grade this year. but um, That's not great. <clears throat> it's not good. But, uh, again, if you're a Raiders fan and you're looking for, you know, eyes to the future, seeing if those guys can get involved, some injuries up front to the Raiders' offensive line. Dylan Parham will move from guard to center with Andre James out. Mm-hmm. So just something else to keep an eye on there. Aiden O'Connell at this point, 57.8 grade from him. It's really He had a great game a few weeks ago against the Chiefs. It's really just been an up-and-down yeah. performance from – from O'Connell so far yeah I mean wildly inconsistent for him like he's had he had that one spectacular game against the Chiefs he had a good game against the Giants um but everything else has been not so good 
Um, so three points. We're just going to get right through. I'm going to give you guys one thing to watch for most of these games. Right? We'll talk about it a little bit and then get right to the picks. The year's winding down. You're in efficiency mode now, just wrapping up business. We have to. I mean, there's playoff implications don't exist here. <laughs> for this game. Yeah. Uh, Raiders favored by three. What you got here? Uh, I buy into the Raiders. I feel like uh, I feel like Easton Stick, hockey stick, is going to struggle, okay. particularly with no receivers. I mean, Quentin, like this would this is a game where if Quentin Johnston really wants to like salvage his reputation as a rookie, this is the game to do it. Like, show up, show there's a reason they drafted you in the first round, not other people, and have the kind of game that you haven't had so far this season. Yeah, I think again, if you're if you're a Chargers fan, you'd be hoping for a Christian Watson like late season breakout from right. Quentin Johnston. There was signs of life. There was a big play last week. Yeah. I was looking I we read out last week sometime. Like I went and found my original reaction to watching his <laughs> tape that I messaged Renner with, right? Like immediately first thing I saw, I was like, are you sure this guy is an ass? Uh and I was watching him recently, like the last few weeks, and I don't even see the explosive stuff. Like the some of the hallmark things that were like, well, okay, he's not great at the catch point. Okay, he doesn't catch the ball particularly well or run great routes or all the things you don't like. It's like, but at least he's, you know, big, strong, and fast. And then you're, you're watching him. It's like, he's not even that at the moment. I'm not seeing this level of explosiveness that would make you buy in to flaws and say, well, at least, you know. He doesn't look like DK Metcalf out there, right? And I, my, in that initial reaction to Renner, I was like, uh, I'm kind of left with the question of what, what if Sidney Rice couldn't really catch the football? That, that's Quentin Johnson right now. And that's kind of what he looks like at the moment. And right down to the fact that Sidney Rice made some big plays and was you know, reasonably good in the NFL before injuries just ruined the guy's career. But you never thought of Sidney Rice as like a vastly explosive wide receiver, right? Like, and he's, that's kind of what Johnson's looking like at the it's moment. Build-up speed, but not yeah. switch. Exactly. That's what he has. So um, we're both taking the Raiders to cover the three here. Thursday night football. We'll all be watching because it's because it's football. What yeah. else? What else would we would we be, be doing? doing. Um, as a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Well, Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in all one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, we've got a couple big games this week that we're going to cover early. Um, so going right to the 425 slate. Dallas Cowboys at the Buffalo Bills, one of the games of the week. Again, Dallas, um, they're the team, um, them and the Bills, kind of in the thick of playing a ton of Good teams, right? The Cowboys just played the Eagles and won. The Bills just beat the Chiefs. So now they get to play each other. A little rematch of some early 90s Super Bowls here, Sam. Mm. Jim Kelly, Troy Aikman. It's going to be great. Um, but realistically, uh, a big game here on the slate. Our friend Dan Orlovsky, who's not really our friend, um, 
We could call him our friend. He's not a friend of the show. He's not show. a friend of the show. But uh, Dan O said uh, Josh Allen's MVP if he wins this game. I mean, like, if he single-handedly wins this game by himself, I would give him MVP. <laughs> Dan O has been battling against the shouty show people this season. Like, they ha- part of me feels sorry for him, right? Because he has to go on these shows with Stephen A. and stuff every week and rail against the idiocy and try and explain that, yes, Josh Allen might have a lot of interceptions, but he also has a lot of touchdowns. And actually, most really good quarterbacks over the last few years have also had quite a lot of interceptions, and it's not just a thing in and of itself that immediately makes you a bad quarterback. And it's like, on the one hand, I feel sorry for having to argue stupidity with facts because there's no point, right? It's like that old adage, never pick a fight with an idiot because they'll drag you down to their level and they'll win with experience. So you feel like you feel bad for him. On the other hand, you go, you knew what you were signing up for. You know, you're getting paid quite a lot of money to go on the shouty show and be part of the Stephen A shtick. You know, it's like this is. Well, I would do it. Right, like this is part I'd play of the a character on TV. Exactly, it's part of the gig. It's it's not real. You know what it is, Stephen. You know, it's it's pantomime idiocy. It's not real idiocy. It might be real idiocy as well as pantomime idiocy, but you know that's what it is. So it's a fascinating game because the Bills are they're seven and six. Uh, Cowboys are ten and three. Cowboys are now, as we've said on the other show or earlier in the week number two seed in the nfc they're above the philadelphia eagles as of right now in the nfc east um it's a battle of the cowboys who have the number two number one point differential in the nfl sorry and the uh, bills are fifth um so yeah the bills you know all season we've been saying they're far better than a seven and six team um the cowboys are sitting there at ten and three and they hadn't beaten a good team until yesterday or last week and a big part of the Cowboys splits, as at least one of our listeners, viewers pointed out, or um, someone followed us on Twitter and said, the big advantage here is grass, turf, no, turf, turf versus grass for Dallas. They're 0-3 on grass, mm. which includes Arizona <laughs> because they wheel the grass in. So that's, that's dome but grass. Dome but grass, yeah. yes. Uh, but there's also Philadelphia and San Francisco. That's where Dallas has not only lost, but kind of got whooped. Well, got whooped twice. Right. Uh, on grass this is a turf field in buffalo whatever it's worth this is just chaos this is grass but indoors and turf but outdoors correct it's madness um it's also the battle like the mvp conversation i think is actually a real one okay no people aren't making the case for josh allen too much but right now these are number one and number two in pff grade overall dak prescott is number one 92.1 josh allen is number two despite the interceptions 91.0 if you look at just passing grade the order shuffles around a little bit but genuinely this this is an mvp statement type of game for one of these guys you know if they get the win and are a big part of it and i to me the mvp race if you like is starting to sort of come down to dak prescott versus um brock purdy honestly yeah but i think allen could force his way into that if he goes on a run to end this season Given the schedule they have, and this would be one yeah. of those games, Allen, Allen will end up with a resume that looks quite MVP worthy. Yeah, if they go on a run, and especially because of the narrative of they, you know, they fired an offensive coordinator and right. overcame some adversity or whatever, you know, that that will will yeah. help in that. The picks were Ken Dorsey's fault. <clears throat> the uh, the actual on field matchup, I think, is going to be a great one. I mean, Dallas, uh, they got they got picked apart by Seattle just two weeks ago. And I, I want to continue to give Dan Quinn 
so much credit for just how he has uh, just run the show on the defense the last three years. When Deron Bland was getting beat up by DK Metcalf, they switched, put Stephon Gilmore on him. They put Gilmore on A.J. Brown last week. Uh, Dan Quinn continues to adjust. What do they do in, in this game? Because I, I think if you look at Buffalo's offensive line, they've been okay this year, but they're not going to match up well against Dallas. I think the Bills are going to want to get rid of the ball quickly. It's, Bills, been a, it's been a pretty good offensive line this year. They've kind of gone the other way of – remember last year they were like all of their average players were catching the bad end of variance at the same time, and their offensive line was a problem because of that. Well, generally the same personnel. You know, there have been some changes, rookie Osiris Torrance, et cetera. Um, generally the same personnel is now catching the high end of variance. So it looks like a pretty good offensive line this year, even though they're not winning as many games. Yeah, I'm not – it's either um... – I'm I agree saying, with you, though. Like they're, they're a bad matchup against Dallas simply because Dallas has the best pass rush in the NFL. That's what I mean. Therefore, everybody is a bad matchup against them. And if you watch Buffalo these last couple weeks, it's been like, all right, it's, it's less Stephon Diggs-driven the last few weeks, and it's a lot of get the ball out to their running backs and Dalton Kincaid and uh, underneath the coverage. I, I wonder how much that's going to be uh, the game plan once again, getting the, the backs and tight ends involved, getting the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly so that's going to be something to keep an eye on I think James Cook has been fantastic I think they schemed up some really nice plays for him against the Chiefs last week before they they slowed down a little bit in the second half so that's that matchup's great and then can Buffalo do anything to stop this Dallas offense they are absolutely cooking you mentioned Dak he is playing at an elite level this year best football of his career by far and you know when you're looking at Dak do you say this is the the narrative could be that the the script has flipped here, right? You've got Mike McCarthy, you've got the new footwork, the, the new West Coast offense that the, that the Cowboys have. You have a whole new DAC this year, or, you know, wet blanket of uh, reason here. Is he due for some regression? Because he's never played at this level. This isn't what DAC has done previously. Is he due to regress here down the stretch and actually make the DAC narratives even worse if he, you know, collapses here in December? I'm not saying he will, I'm just, you know. Throwing that out there is a possibility for the Shelly shows. <laughs> How nice of you. Yes. Uh, well, of course, Cam Newton says he's just a game manager anyway. So, Gosh, I'm um, not even acknowledging. It is. Like, things. I think you can argue, though, that we, we've been arguing for years that Dak Prescott is one of the most um, sensitive quarterbacks in the NFL to changes in his environment. And as we've said previously, that's kind of like a three-headed thing. Uh, supporting cast from a receiving point of view, supporting cast from a pass-blocking point of view, offensive line point of view – and then supporting cast from a scheme, schematic point of view. I think you could argue this year that two of those things have gone back to levels that they were at previously. The offensive line and the receiving core is as good as it's ever been for Dallas, probably. Maybe the line's a little bit worse, but it's gotten back towards that time when they had you know three All-Pros on the offensive line and it was the best line in the NFL. And the big difference this year is this might be the best sort of scheme he's been in so far, right? We didn't think it was going to be that way, given the narrative around Mike McCarthy. But it's difficult to argue with what they're doing right now. Um, and it might be the most help he's been receiving from a scheme point of view in his career. So, yeah, maybe he's just overachieving and he's due to come back down to earth over the, the back end of the season or, or to the playoffs. On the other hand, like this might be the new ceiling for where Dak Prescott can be when everything around him is good. Um, yeah, so again, the I think Dak's playing great. The If the chat's talking about turnovers, the turnovers last year were always overblown. They were overblown, and then they started to kind of become real, like, for two weeks. 
at the end. They were always overblown. Just like, you know, the, the similarity this year is Josh Allen's turnovers, yeah. right? For last year, the shouty shows. Trashing Dak for all of his turnovers. I mean, he threw, he had a dropped pass, pick six in overtime. And we were ha- they were having like legit discourse, like, man, Dak's turnovers, man. They're, well, he's- they're starting to catch up. Dak's not taking care of the football. And again, he's swung back all the way to the other direction, like like the Bills' offensive line, right? He's gone from he caught a really bad end of of luck, turnover luck, and and you know an absurd volume of his turnover worthy plays became turnovers. And this year, he's got both the lowest turnover worthy play rate of his career and the lowest in the NFL. <laughs> That's not where Dak Prescott typically resides. Yeah, and Josh Allen has the eleventh. Um, we're missing one in there because we'll say for a run, but say the fourteenth best turnover-worthy play rate in the league this year. Nothing close to the 14 interceptions that he has that are tied for the league lead with Sam Howell. So Dak this year is having his his career average turnover-worthy play rate. Like, he's chopped it in half. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So Dak's playing great. Um, I'm not trying to – I'm just saying, like, because it's not in line with the rest of his career, do we see regression or do we just see, hey, this is is what he is going forward? So – I'm looking forward to see Prescott against this 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 Bills defense that tries to prevent big plays and the Cowboys. You know, Dak hit what five big time throws the other night against Philadelphia, hitting them in crunch time, hitting them um, over these last few weeks at an incredible rate. The stretch that Dak is on right now, I think, is one of the best we've seen in the last ten years or so. Um, since, you know, his week since week six or whatever it is, Dak Prescott playing an extremely high level. Bills putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands a lot more recently, so. It's going to be a great matchup. Let's make some picks. Bills by two. I've seen it at two and a half as well here. Uh, Bills by two. Where are you going with this one? Um, I feel like Dallas is getting disrespected. Really? Yeah. They they showed last week. They're for real. They can beat good teams. And Buffalo hasn't shown they're that good a team so far this year. Um, so I think Dallas will win. All right. I might disrespect them then. I'll take Buffalo to cover the two. I got Buffalo uh, 26-23. 26-23. That puts it at 40. Over-under is 40 and a half, 50 and a half. So I'm basically like predicting chalk. <laughs> Bills by three. Okay. Right at the, right at the number, as, uh, as Uncle Anthony would say. All right, let's go Sunday night football. Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Ravens on the road here, favored by three over the Jags. Jags are eight and five. Uh, a game ahead of both the Colts and Texans. In the AFC South, Ravens sitting at 10-3 and three with the number one seed in sight, controlling their own destiny here in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, first thing is going to be what Trevor Lawrence looks like another week removed from that high ankle sprain. Remember, we didn't expect him to play last week. He did play, and visibly he didn't look, you know, hampered by it. On the other hand, he had five turnover-worthy plays, and it's like that, that feels like a stretch to say that's a coincidence. I understand it's going up against Cleveland's defense that's very good and, you know, going to force more mistakes than tip than normal. But there were some plays in there that don't make a lot of sense unless you say there's an injury factoring in there. So, so if you watched uh, Rams-Ravens the other day, I got a question on Twitter about Matthew Stafford's grade because people were watching Stafford against the Ravens being like, he's doing amazing things with the football, which he did. Um, he also missed a bunch of throws and then threw one into the end zone that probably should have ended the game. The point I wanted to try to make here, though, was Stafford against a very good Ravens defense made several tight window Staffordy throws, right? Like, I love watching good Matthew Stafford when he makes those incredible throws. 
that was how Lawrence had been playing for a few games prior to the injury. So so think about up the difficulty level against the Ravens here, just like the Browns mm-hmm. uh, last week. You're up in the difficulty level. You're, you're tighter window throws. You know there's going to be pressure. Uh, it's, it's difficult. So you're up in the difficulty level. And Lawrence had that game a few weeks ago with like five or six big-time throws where it's like, man, it's almost like he's choosing the higher difficulty level. I'm going to throw a far hash deep out and put it right on my guy. Feels like that's the type of game that he needs to have. Um, so th- uh, throws that similar throws that Stafford was making last week in Baltimore, um, minus some of the misses that Stafford had. Like Lawrence, I think, does have to play at an extremely high level. They're missing Christian Kirk, who I think has been just a really good dependable outlet for them. They've done a nice job scheming it up for Christian Kirk through the years. Now they had Parker Washington take a lot of the slot snaps last week. He had a really nice back shoulder touchdown, had a fumble in there as well. I'm a big Parker Washington fan, one of my sleeper receivers as a rookie. Um, but I wonder how much that's going to just start adding up here for the Jags. The other uh, injury question or, or thing to monitor going into this game is Kyle Hamilton, yes. um, the Ravens safety slash slot corner slash matchup weapon thing. Um, he was another one where when it happened, all the injury people were like, oh, that's bad done for the season type of thing, right? And then it's like, no, actually, he might play this week. So Jackson... M- MCL? What yeah, sprain, yeah. I think. Yeah. Jacksonville's um, Jacksonville's top target is actually Evan Ingram, tight end, in terms of both targets and receptions. Uh, that's where he goes most often with the football. And Kyle Hamilton is, is the type of player that can take that away single-handedly. Like, he's that tight end eraser. But he's also the type of guy that kills all of the short stuff, you know, like almost original Antoine Winfield-like. Um, like Evan Engram's average depth of target or something's like four yards. So they give him the ball underneath. They let him run after the catch. They, they let him sort of get a lot of easy completions that then add up to big plays when he gets the ball in his hands. Hamilton's the kind of guy that could take that away immediately and sort of force this offense to be radically more one-dimensional than it wants to be and much more aggressive vertically. Uh, on the other hand, if he's not actually Kyle Hamilton, you know, if he if he plays but he's not the same guy, or if he just doesn't play, like his backup might be Daryl Worley, who's a former bad cornerback turned who knows what he is as a safety at this point. Um, but that's a big dynamic in this game. Like if, if Hamilton plays and is 100% or looks himself, that's a massive... Uh, boost for the Ravens defense if he isn't it's a potential area to attack or to lean on for Jacksonville Roquan Smith linebacker for the Ravens also questionable at the moment I don't think he's as injured as Hamilton but we'll see what happens they neither guy was or both guys were limited at practice as of Wednesday Um, I do wonder so obviously both teams have injuries in the whole deal but I wonder how much the Jags offensive line injuries are going to start catching up too because look I think I think Lawrence is healthy now right like is he just healthy is he okay I don't even know if he's on the injury report I can't believe high ankle sprains are just like a yeah play next week type of deal and then then they're okay I mean I don't think you're healthy healthy. not healthy but we we said there was there was probably some throwing issues with Lawrence but maybe not some mobility issues Um, but the offensive line with Cam Robinson's already out and Walker Little at left tackle is is questionable and they had to get to like Nance at you know, a guard playing tackle trying to cover. Trying After to Ezra Cleveland, a guard yeah. playing tackle. Ezra Cleveland. I mean, so they're going through. I wonder how much. So Kyle Hamilton's a big injury for mm-hmm. the Ravens. But I think the Jags, 
their issues might start be starting to catch up to them. Yeah. The other, from a narrative perspective for Jacksonville all season, we've been saying, okay, they, you know, prove that you could beat good teams. That's what I've been asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Buffalo earlier in the year. They got beat up pretty bad by the 49ers. I think we could look at that Texans win in week 12 and say that's a good win against a, a tough Texans team that already beat you. But this is, they lost to Cincinnati, which that would, that was supposed to be their first, like their next big test. Yeah. And it wasn't Joe Burrow Cincinnati, it was Jake Browning Cincinnati. And they let Jake Browning, who's good now, he's good. But they let him complete over 80% of his passes. They let Joe Flacco pick them apart last week with busted coverages and the whole thing. The pass coverage has fallen apart. I think this is, uh, it's trending in the wrong direction, I think, for the Jags right here. Yeah, they've they've been they missed Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell hasn't played well, even when he's been on the field. Like his career is w- ridiculous. It's it's been like fifty grade, eighty eight grade, fifty grade again. He's gone from like not good, all pro, not good, is the sequence of his career so far. Um, it's actually it's a bizarre game in terms of how many people are injured at key positions and are relevant to how this goes. the The one on one matchup that could be fun to watch is. Josh Allen, the edge rusher, and, and Jacksonville's basically primary slash only source of pass rush, going up against Ronnie Stanley, who theoretically is one of the best pass blocking tackles in the game, not having his best season. So, like, you know, normally if this was the matchup, you would say Stanley beats Josh Allen in this one on one matchup. This year, though, like Allen's having a career year, Stanley's having a down year. It's much more in favor of Josh Allen, I think, than it would be normally. Uh, one other matchup to watch, I always highlight the difficulty that linebackers have um, I, against the Ravens. Linebackers also have that similar difficulty against the Shanahan schemes. I mentioned before the Niners game when they got whooped that Foye Oluokon and Devin Lloyd having excellent seasons, they're going to need them to play well. They did not play well against the Niners. Kind of similar thing here with the Ravens. Can those guys make some plays? I don't know, man. I don't like the way the Jags are trending. So Ravens favored by three here in Jacksonville. It's going to be oh, it's going to be electric on Sunday Night Football. It's Jags, Ravens. We get to it, it's a great time to retweet highlights of Jimmy Smith going 15 catches for 291 against the 2000 Ravens. 191, right? 291. 291. He had 291 receiving yards. Yes. Hmm. Trust me on this. Okay. Oh, against the wait again against the Ravens across two games. No, in one game. I thought it was 191 in that one no, game. No, 15 catches for 291 yards <laughs> against the 2,000 Ravens. Yeah. Look, Jimmy Smith game logs. Yeah, yeah all right. All right. Make your pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm also going to take the Ravens. Are we being too, uh, too harsh on the Jags? No, I mean, I think they've... They fall like like the Lions. They have fallen off. They 15, don't look the You same. just watched this game. 15 yeah, catches, 291, three touchdowns. Targeted 21 times in a 39-36 to 36 loss mm. against the 2,000 Ravens. The Jags got like 10% of the points against the Ravens that year in that game. And a ton, and a, and a ton of the yardage. Yeah. Like that, that was... That was before they were really the 2,000 Ravens. Yeah. You know? Um, I'll also take... Baltimore to cover the three here in Jacksonville. Or will I? Will I? Yeah. yeah. It can be Baltimore. All right, let's go Discord game of the week. Don't forget, you guys can join our Discord. Link's in the description, and you can vote on uh, every single game. The closest game we had, though, was Tampa Bay Bucks at the Green Bay Packers. Packers favored by three and a half here. Packers coming off a loss to Cutlets on Monday night. Tommy Cutlets. And uh, Bucks, man, back in first place. 
in the NFC South at six and seven, and the Packers are sitting here at six and seven with the same record in third place in the NFC North, along with everybody else in the league. How much do uh, the Packers? They were they were trending, man. They were they were in the right direction. This is why, like when I say they're trending this way, that way, that stuff doesn't really matter at all. It's all chaos. Like it's yeah. all noise. This is the thing. We spend the entire time, us and everybody else, like <laughs> we at least try and have the discipline to wait for like a three-week a three week trend. <laughs> you make yes. the, the shouty shows are just like week to week. Going, I just ah, saw they're it. Good. They're bad. Ah. They had two good plays. They were, right. Everything's changed. We try and have the self-discipline to be like after three weeks, oh, look, we, he's turned a corner. He's moving in the right direction. And then it still doesn't mean anything. Like it's, it's crazy that – it's such small sample size in the NFL that nothing can necessarily nothing necessarily means anything in the course of a season. That's it. Wrap it it's up. All, nothing means anything. It's well, all around. Make our picks and get out of here. It's nothing all crap. Means, nothing. Nobody means knows anything. anything. It's I ridiculous. Had, I had a quick theory while we're on this quick tangent here. I had a quick theory that came to me yesterday. Why is there so much parity? Why is almost every team here in Week 15 in the playoff picture? Well, first because they extended the season. Um, second, though, I do think the NFL. Remember when we were doing all of our preview shows last year and we were looking at everybody's depth chart and we're like, nobody, like a lot of starters are coming back. Nobody has a lot of big moves to make. There's not a lot of big free agents. I think there's a lot of parity from a team building standpoint around the NFL right now. I think there's not just parity in the NFL and the, the way they do schedules and everything, but I think there's team building parity. I don't think there's a ton of teams the last few years that have drafted horribly. Yeah. I think teams are drafting better. So this is the thing. I think the free agency has been like kind of tightened up a little bit and teams are keeping their good players. And I think there's team building parity right now. And that's why so many teams are six and seven, seven and six and in the same range. I think that's where the big change has been in the last decade is the number of teams that are marks has diminished. Can I can I explain why I think that could be? PFF. Honestly. Okay. Not just not just the grades or the data or whatever. Everybody has access to every single play, watching plays, scouting, evaluating. The tools are better than ever, including PFF data and PFF grades and ways to evaluate players. I really think because that's been more prevalent the last five or ten years that that has helped tighten things up from a from a team building standpoint i just think we there all of the elements here you know we the last couple of drafts we've looked at it and you're like there haven't been these drafts where you're like what is this team doing this is madness this is idiocy like this is completely you come out of almost every every draft with almost every team you're like i I kind of like it. I got with you know. I, I get the idea of what they're doing. If even if I didn't agree with specific picks, um, you know, you, it's it feels like we've lost the time where a team is just out here like blindfoldly, randomly picking guys that are eight rounds ahead of where they're supposed to go. You know, and then free agency, the same thing. Like we've kind of gone past the point where teams are just throwing stupid money at random people for no reason or like literal salary cap hell where they've had to hemorrhage the entire roster because they got themselves in a bad spot. These things are all kind of gone. I think a lot of the success previously came from other teams exploiting the the teams that got themselves into stupid situations. Now teams aren't doing that. Yeah. So mo- most teams are in the same spot and the things that differentiate them are, you know, great quarterbacks or great coaching or whatever. Sorry for bringing up a Wednesday topic, but it just kind of hit me. And I'm, you know, as we're as we're looking at a six and seven versus six and seven Bucks and Packers game, which we're breaking down right now, um, I think that's a, a big part of things here. So Bucks, 
Uh, won a couple games in a row here. Big game last week against the Falcons. There's still, you know, Baker Mayfield making clutch plays down the stretch here. That's kind of been the Bucks' MO. They're not scoring a ton of points. The defense has kept them in a lot of games. Whereas the Packers, again, a disappointing game where it looked like they had flipped their switch. Jordan Love looks like an elite quarterback for a multiple-week stretch. Defense was playing better. Um, what are we going to get from Green Bay now at home against the Bucs? Can they bounce back from the disappointment Monday night? Yeah, so I don't think it explains all of it, but somebody tweeted me a play, and I looked up a few more. Um, like some of the All-22 views of Jordan Love's throws against the Giants, you could see the wind having a pretty major impact. It's one of those things that I think sometimes – we don't get to appreciate how big a factor it is because you're not there and the camera doesn't always pick it up, particularly the, the sideline view or the TV view. But some of those passes he put in the air moved a lot in the air and looked like horrendous ball location when actually the location might have been okay had the wind not taken it. I'm, and I'm a big <clears throat> – I'm telling you, I think we need to do those adjustments more. But the problem is, so it's, div- it's not necessarily – it's not a constant, right? Like – you could sort of look at that and go, well, it didn't affect Cutlets. Cutlets is out there carving through the wind left, right, and center. That wasn't a problem. But if, it, if the wind is gusting and it gusts at the wrong time, one pass is going to go awry, the other pass isn't, right? So it's a difficult thing. It's, it, that's, I view it as that's why I think dome adjustments are more important than <laughs> outdoor – because the dome doesn't have those elements. Right. You just never have to deal with it, and you know that there's a consistency there. All I'm saying is, look, I know that, like, there's a there's fun memes that you can make about Bills, I mean Bears quarterbacks historically and how bad their production is. Mm-hmm. Part of it's playing in Chicago. Sure, not all of it. The windy city. It is difficult throwing in Chicago. Maybe we've underrated Eli Manning's career because we look at the stats too much, and he actually because did, he's thrown in the elements. I did think that during that game. Right. I'm just <laughs> saying, like I'm telling you, that is a thing. Playing in Buffalo, New England, the New Jerseys matters. Versus playing in a dome. Playing in Chicago probably matters. and We we should adjust our perspective if we're only looking at stats and production. And, of course, you've also got he was missing Christian Watson. He was missing Luke Musgrave. Like, he didn't have a couple of his primary targets in that game. So, look, I'm not saying it it explains all of it. There's still a bunch of plays where, like, why are you specifically trying to make the throw from an off-balance position falling away? Like, you know— this is not good technique and you're sort of you're not being forced into it you're voluntarily throwing without good technique in some of these plays but I do wonder if it means you could see a a quick bounce back next week you know if he just doesn't get a bunch of passes taken by the wind or you know so I I don't think it necessarily means that the previous few games were a complete fabrication and didn't represent any kind of step forward in the right direction this might have just been a random bad day at the office in a in a trend that is pointing upwards. Um, Bucks are running the ball a little bit more effectively the last couple weeks after just being horrible for about a year and a half. Uh, Packers' defense has kind of been hit or miss against the run. I think there might be some opportunities there. But, again, I think – Been hit or miss overall. Packers' defense. Packers' de- – yeah, overall it really has been. I mean, there, there were weeks where it's like they were outstanding up front and other times it looked like they were trying to – and they're particularly trying to fit the run with four people, you know? I, I think they're particularly bad situationally. Like, I, I think overall the defense – a lot of Packers fans hate the current, like, defensive coaching setup and all that kind of thing, right? And it's like the overall production is is not bad. It's fine. They're middle of the pack somewhere. No pun intended. Um, but the 
like when the when the situation gets important, it seems to like that's when they have their worst play. Like even against the Giants, right? They they end up going ahead in that game. Jordan Love turns it on in the fourth quarter as his is want, and then they go crazy soft with the coverage, right? They back off. They play like off man coverage on a critical drive where the where Cutlets has to move the length of the field. It's like it's that's too easy. You can't you can't do that. You need to be more aggressive. You need to get either up in a guy's face or you need to play some zone and you know have your eyes on the football. You can't do what they did on that drive, and that's what they seem to do consistently in those situations. Are you saying it's going to come down to another Baker Mayfield game winning drive? That's how the Bucks have played a lot of tight games and well, relying saying, on Baker's okay. grit at the end of the game. Yeah, and I'm saying that if it does, there's a pretty good chance he comes good yeah. again because Joe Barry's defense is just going to get too conservative. All right, let's make some picks here. Packers by three and a half. Looks like I, I did the I did the weather check because it's it's December in Green Bay, in Green Bay. just in the forties, just like Buffalo. 40s. How, how much? How many eighths cloud <laughs> cloud cover? Uh, I didn't. Uh, we didn't get to that. I appreciate <laughs> the meteorologists and the other people, the pilots that jumped into the uh, mentions. Pilots in our in our uh, comments. Overcast clouds, according. That's complete, right? That's eight eighths. Was what he was saying, I think. Yeah, I think over. Yeah, yeah. It, it's clouds. So eight, eight eighths cloudy and for in 39, according Beautiful to this. December weather. Mm. Um, so Packers by three and a half. Where are you going with this one? Uh, okay, I'm going to give him one shot and buy into the Green Bay, the Jordan Love thing. The wind was a problem last week. It's not going to be a problem this week. I thought you were going to say Tampa Bay. You're Don't let me down. Buy Jordan. into them. It's going to be a fascinating stretch here. For I the told NFC you before, side. I have already jumped off i'm never buying back into baker mayfield again i'm I've already noticed. out i'm not i've I'm, noticed you had plenty of times to jump back I'm on here not doing it you had plenty of times this mm-hmm. year to jump back on so we'll get through the rest of the games here that's the discord game of the week but gotta tell you about our prize picks lineup for this weekend it's gonna hit this one's gonna win yeah we got jamar chase on saturday afternoon going more than 64 and a half receiving yards we'll talk about that game in a minute here we had debo samuel going more than 61 and a half receiving yards for the 49ers against the cardinals we have Kyron Williams going more than 80 and a half rushing yards against the Commanders on Sunday. So we're going more, more, more. Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, and Kyron Williams. That's our prize picks lineup for this week over here at PFF with prize picks. You got basketball season here. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections. It includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can go LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10 and a half combo of three-pointers made and receptions. You can play alongside some of PrizePick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can do that in the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community every single week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half, doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So here's what you do. You go to prizepix.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Also, don't forget that if you uh, do it as a flex play, you might not get screwed the way that uh, Eli has been screwed in recent weeks. You, know, you oh, okay. might still win your money even if a guy doesn't hit. So don't do it as a flex. <coughs> no, no, do it as a flex. Do it as if, a flex. I got you. If, uh, if Nico Collins leaves the game in the first quarter with his injury and doesn't. Then you get the reboot. You get the reboot, but you also win anyway. Win. Yes, I got it. Um, so they're making us work on Saturdays now. Damn it. 
three Saturday, a Saturday triple header, which, um, look, young me would have loved. Mm. Married with four kids, me, whose only off day is on Saturday. We have to have difficult conversations. I'm not a bachelor anymore. My family's back. Yeah. I picked them up at the airport mm-hmm. the other day. And uh, we get a triple header on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying to figure out how to uh, break the news to Kelly that there's three games, starting with the Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. We should actually go to the game. Island game, we should go. The which game? Vikings-Bengals. Which, when, which slot is that? One o'clock Saturday. The one o'clock slot. Yeah. I have to write a refocus on that game. <laughs> do you? You should do it from, from the, the stadium. From the press box. When I went to the game the other day, I hooked up to the Bengals Wi-Fi. Because yeah. it was Sunday night, and I, I was watching the All-22 of the Are you still Sunday hooked game. into like the press Wi-Fi? Could you get... Could you uh, get not covered? the press. I had the stadium Wi-Fi, which was good enough to grind film from the last row of the stadium, nice. actually. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So you could, you could grind film. And then write your refo. Uh, Vikings at the Bengals. It's uh, Nick Mullins getting the start for the Vikings. Bengals are favored by three here. Uh, Nick Mullins versus Jake Browning mm. would have been far less attractive just a few weeks ago if you had heard this. But Jake Browning balling out these last couple of weeks here. Yeah, uh, he has been. Um, it's It's been pretty impressive. Now, are we in this – is Jake Browning actually a lot better than people thought he was? Or – has he just had two really good games and the sample size, nothing means anything anymore, right? I don't know yet. Nothing means And I don't know how long you need to see it before you decide. I don't, I, it's actually real. I'll say this. The Vikings are, so I, I love, we love team building. We love seeing what our takes were going to be, like the way teams have made decisions and how it's all going to play out. But I thought the Vikings were one of the more fascinating teams to just keep an eye on this season because their defense on paper they got rid of stars right we they got rid of stars and replaced them with uh, uh un unheralded unproven young players and i was curious because you've got um you know just just the whole th- sorry <laughs> let's cut that for social mm. Do they are, are they evaluating players differently? You've got Brian Flores' scheme, which was going to be a completely different scheme. Are they going to blitz like crazy? And it started off slow, but they have been excellent these last few weeks. And it's all the players that they invested in, that they bought into, who did not have a proven track record. The Cameron Bynums of the world, the Josh Metellises, Ivan Pace, of course, as an undrafted rookie linebacker. They've turned it into a very good defense there. And that's now an awesome matchup against Jake Browning, who just you know completes 80% of his passes. Yeah, I mean... I think Brian Flores is assistant coach of the year, and I think at this point it might be a, an absolute landslide. Like, last year it was Ben Johnson, and I think the same thing was true. It was clearly Ben Johnson. This year I think it's clearly Brian Flores. We said coming into the year, look, when a defense or when, a, when one side of the ball is playing horrendously and there's obviously a schematic problem, there's a degree to which simply removing the problem will solve a lot of your problem, a lot of your woes, right? So the Vikings got rid of Ed Donatel, who was the defensive coordinator a year ago, clearly dragging the unit down. It was it wasn't going well. If they just done that and 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 replaced him with anybody, it probably would have had a pretty big step forward. But what Flores has been doing to a group that was built to suit a defense almost diametrically opposite this one in terms of philosophy um, has been remarkable. Like they. They're the most blitz-happy team in the NFL. They blitz more than anybody else. They're the only team in the NFL to blitz on more than 50% of their snaps. But they're not just the sort of... They're not, they're not doing that in a conventional way that you imagine when you say, you know, really blitz-happy team. 
they they almost never blitz just one guy, right? So they they're way down at the bottom of the rankings in terms of number uh, in terms of five man rushes, right. right? So just one extra dude. They lead the league by a long way with six man rushes, and they're second in the league with seven man rushes. But they're also second in the league in three man rushes, right? So what the Vikings and Flores do is they crowd the line of scrimmage. They make every play look like pressure is coming, and not just pressure, but a lot of it, right? And then you're you're faced with this di- dilemma if you're Jake Browning, for example, right? You're you're surveying this landscape. There's seven, eight guys up at the line of scrimmage, and you're like, I don't know if six guys are coming and I can pick it up. If seven guys are coming and I can't pick it up. Or if three guys or are three. coming, yeah. and actually, if I'm trying to get rid of the ball immediately, I'm throwing right to three people, right? Three defenders. And that's every snap for these quarterbacks. In addition to, it's weird personnel. There's three safeties on the field. I don't know where they're necessarily going to be. I don't know what the rules are for them and where they're supposed to, like, yeah. is that is one of these safeties driving on the dig? Is that, you know, are they passing it off? Like, all of this has to happen immediately, pre and post snap for these quarterbacks. And I think that's a nightmare for every quarterback. I think it's particularly difficult for a guy who's going on his, what, fourth start at this point. And if I was a betting man, which effectively we are in this this show, um, I would say this will be a bad day at the office for Jake Browning. Two things that I heard this week to kind of back up that point was Kirk Cousins on the Manning cast. They were going through and they're saying, Wink's going zero blitz. Mm. And when Wink goes zero, it's like, you have four guys across the top kind of off coverage, and they were all yelling out, hey, throw the quick out to the slot. Right. And that's exactly what Jordan Love did on that play. And then Cousin said, well, if that was Flores' zero, yeah. might be a corner there. Right. right. So there, he's play, he's playing the blitz coverages with extra trickeration on the back end, say, yeah. like different rules, as you said, or different ways of doing it. It's not like, hey, when you, know, when you get this look against Wink, you kind of know where you're going to go with the ball. Um, there was that one, and then Harrison Phillips, the defensive tackle, for the Vikings kind of breaking down in some interview on NFL Network, I think it was, about how it's not just, hey, you've got the uh, strong side A gap in this on this play. He's like, based off the rules, I could have four different gaps. And it's all reading, you know, reading and out. And this isn't like, it's not like a brand new defense, but it is far more complicated, different than what the Vikings had done. Um, and they've got a bunch of smart veteran players mixed with the young players that they've invested in that I said that are executing it really well. So all that said, the Vikings defense has turned into hashtag fun to watch. Don't know what you're going to get from them on a play-by-play basis, except they've played really well. Uh, going up against Browning, I think it's going to be an excellent matchup. And then offensively for the Vikings, you know, they've decided to move on from Josh Dobbs. A lot of drops in the game the other day, but they didn't score any points. At least or they the scored moment. three points. Um, Nick Mullins came in to, led, to lead the field goal drive for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one score – um, Justin Jefferson, is he questionable at this point with the... He is, but he sounds like he's going to play. Uh, he certainly thinks he's going to play. Um, so the intriguing thing here with Mullins is, look, I mean, with Justin Jefferson back, what's the what, what's the look? I'm just, I'm fascinated that there is an intriguing thing about Nick Mullins. He can, he can spread... You can't that. possibly still want more Nick Mullins data points. That's not more data. I'm just, he can spread... It's, it's game two of having Justin Jefferson back. Yeah. And knowing the way the the fact that the Vikings had had a productive passing attack without Justin Jefferson, I thought was encouraging for Minnesota. So now you move everybody down a notch on the depth chart, and you got Jordan Addison, and you got Hawkinson, who's had to 
you know, be a high volume target at times this year. It's a it's an intriguing group of playmakers, and you know, Nick Mullins can maybe get them the ball. That's Danny. all. <laughs> all right, I'm. Are you a little bit surprised they haven't put Jaron Hall back in as the starter? Now, look, I I said this to you yesterday. They have what four games left. I don't know what happened there. What are the chances that that, that all three of these guys play another game? I don't know what would have happened. I don't know what I, would well, have happened. That Mullins Nick wasn't Mullins healthy, would... right? When when Jaron Hall got the start, I don't think Mullins was healthy. Oh, so they were forced into this. Like... And Hall had eight or ten good play, like a good. 10 play stretch or whatever right yeah like one drive yeah. right so they were forced into this dynamic where Dobbs isn't ready because he arrived in the building yesterday and you know we have the rookie to go and then the rookie got hurt and it's like crap Dobbs has to play without knowing anything like I, I think the idea was that Mullins wasn't ready to play or healthy at that point now he's healthy apparently he's ahead of uh, Hall on the depth chart but I thought given as you say it's like dude I'm railing against sample sizes that are two or three games big and we're talking about one drive but given that one drive and the fact that we kind of know Nick Mullins, I'm surprised they haven't given him a shot, but I think it's because, you know, they're in the playoff hunt and it's like, it's, it's seen as riskier than if he had nothing to lose. Um, but I do think that none of these guys are like, obviously they're all massive, massive downgrades from Kirk Cousins. And I suspect they're going to look similar in terms of like, making enough mistakes to lose the game. So with four games left, it wouldn't shock me if each one of these quarterbacks is going to get a game at some point. All right, man, we're going to make some picks here. Bengals are favored by three. Uh, Vegas is buying into Jake Browning against this Vikings defense. Yeah. Last year, when we started these Saturday games, that was when Minnesota played the Colts. Made the greatest comeback in NFL history. So Minnesota on a Saturday in December, man. What do you think? I talked myself into the Vikings defense doing a number on Jake Browning. So that's where I'm going. You know, you almost talked me into that. I almost talked myself into that as well. But I, I didn't believe in Jake Browning last week. No. And now I will. Now you do. Yeah. Just one game. It's all it takes, huh? Yeah. Well, two games. Okay. Two games. He also, if Jake people... Browning wins this game, he's MVP. Oh. People tend to have forgotten that his first start was garbage. <laughs> he played badly. He's played three games now. Two of them have been fantastic, and one of them has been ass. Yes. But again, when stories are told when you make cutoff points, yeah. of course, it was his first start. Everything's different now. You brought since up, his first start, he's great. You brought up that Vikings-Colts greatest comeback game. I would urge people to go and listen to the interview that Jeff Saturday had on, on Pat McAfee. It's on YouTube in its own, like, its own video, right? Ten minutes or whatever it is. A one-off. Yeah, well, there you go. one-off, just like us. Um, it's so funny. It really is. Like, just to hear how – I mean, everyone said this at the time, but it's like this dude is way in over his head, right? And I think we undersold just how in over his head he was, Jeff Saturday. He sort of talks about it to McAfee, and he's like – you know, he, he went into the coaches and was like, I'm, I don't know anything. I'm just here to help you guys do your job, basically. What do you need from me? What could I do to facilitate you guys doing a good job? But then during that game, the Justin Jefferson Vikings comeback thing, they're getting like, you know, they're getting carved up in the second half. And Jeff Saturday goes over to, to Gus, right? He's like, Gus, what, what, what coverage are we running? We're getting, you know... Justin Jefferson seems to be carving us up. And Gus like, dude, we've called them all. Like, none of them are working. I... But it just it struck me as very funny that he's sort of standing there watching this in the sideline and didn't know like what they were running. You know, it was just like we should probably stop running the coverage that's allowing Justin Jefferson to have a catch 
every time he wants, you know? Let's, let's think about going in another direction. And Gus like, dude, we've gone through the whole playbook at this point. Nothing's working. It reminds me, like, you ever have a dream where you've just been placed in a situation that you just have no idea what you're doing? No. No. You've never just been... Like, every now and again, I'm, like, playing high school football or something like that <laughs> at, like, tight end. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I've never had that. And, like, they'll call a play or something. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> sounds like... Jeff Saturday. Sounds like when you're an ESPN coach analyst Saturday. and you become a coach in a week. Coach Saturday. Yeah. All right. Uh, second Saturday game of the triple header, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. Well, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. It's going to be great. Uh, Colts favored by one and a half here. Uh, two, because the odds are in our favor that a couple seven and six teams will play each other because everybody's yeah, seven and six. All... That's what we have here. Seven and six Steelers in the seven and six Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what are you looking for in this game? Uh, we're getting another Bisky game, right? Mitchell like... Trubisky is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fans were calling for Mason Rudolph. Yes, they were. Who I believe, I said this about Nick Foles a couple years ago, the best third <laughs> string quarterback in the NFL, Mason Rudolph. I just, how down bad do you have to be to be chanting Mason Rudolph? I have to say, I thought, I thought Trubisky would play better than he did. Yeah. I really, I mean, based off what we'd seen with, with him in Pittsburgh, uh, the very little that we saw at the end of the Arizona game. And look, I know, I know New England's got a pretty good defense, and mm-hmm. you know they're underrated despite having only three wins. But Trubisky, he's just been, a, you know, look, I'm not saying he's great. I thought he'd play a little bit better um, because he, there's some volatility to him. He was a tick late on a few throws, a couple turnover-worthy plays. Um, but he had been at least sprinkling in big-time throws in his – limited starts in Pittsburgh and getting the ball down down the field to some of their playmakers and work in the middle of the field and we just didn't see enough of that so I think he still has that in him but I'm you know far less excited about Trubisky and I wonder if it will be actually a uh, a short leash for Trubisky in this game they're going to give him one more week of full practice right because he only had it was a short week Thursday game maybe a week of full practice that's what the Steelers are banking on here yeah, and, you know, the Colts don't have as good a defense as New England, but they do have a pretty nasty pass rush that can cause some problems. So it's not, it's not going to, it won't be an easy game, I wouldn't have thought, for Trubisky. So absolutely, I would say it has to be a pretty short leash because they do have a viable alternative, right? It's not like some of these other teams where you're like, okay, I don't want to play this guy. On the other hand, he's clearly better than the alternative option that I have, so I kind of have to. They can go to Rudolph, I would imagine, without expecting much of a down turn if Trubisky isn't playing well best third stringer in the league yeah TJ Watt cleared from his concussion protocol and the whole drama surrounding that I mean he got kneed in the face by uh, Zeke Elliott pretty early in that game added to so he got checked out for concussion went back in the game had to put a darker visor on during the game which is obviously a pretty big red flag for you know light sensitivity which is a concussion symptom uh, didn't do his post-game interviews because of a migraine, quote-unquote. Uh, I mean, that feels like that shouldn't happen anymore given the, given the measures in place to prevent those things happening. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand how that gets through. We all saw him get kicked in the head and come up woozy, right? Yeah. Um, Plus those other things, you know? If he's cleared to play. I mean, he didn't, like, he didn't personally go out there with a screwdriver and change his visor, right? At the point where he was asking somebody for a darker tint, that, shouldn't, like, that should have removed him from the game. Somebody's like, oh, it's a night game. Of course, the lights are really bright right. tonight. Of course you need a darker visor. That's why. 
Um, so if he is going to be playing, it looks like Braden, Braden Smith, the right tackle for the Colts, questionable here, which puts uh, my friend Blake Freeland in there to start. Your friend. I mean. The model says yes, the heart says no. That's correct. <laughs> um, he's played better in recent weeks when he's been starting. He was, you know, started the last couple of games, pass pro. He's, he's just got one, two, three pass protection games under a 40 PFF grade, you know. He's uh, very athletic and just just not ready to pass protect in the NFL, I don't think. So it could be a huge advantage. When do we get uh, Jared Valdir? Did you see this? Jared Valdir signed for the Colts on their practice squad. What? Yeah. Jared Valdir. Why does he keep coming back? Well, more to the point, have you seen a picture of him recently? No. Like the the last couple of times I had seen Jared Valdir was about some surrounding some like initiative he was doing with school lunches or, you know, that kind of thing, right? And he's in the category of those linemen that have lost like 100 pounds since playing, right? Like Jared Valdir is one of those guys where you look at him like, dude, how much weight has that guy lost? I mean, okay, those articles were a while ago, but he would have needed to put on 60 pounds to be in NFL like playing shape from where from the last time I saw him. So I have no idea what state he's in at the moment, but that's a wild signing given Most, those photographs. I don't know how many of our listeners know who Jared Valdir is. Okay. He's 6'8". He was like a big yeah. center, uh, D3. Was he D3? Something. Like a small yeah. school center turned NFL tackle who had a nice little run with the Raiders at tackle. Yes. Uh, also played with the Cardinals. Um, but he's also one of the reasons you should know him is he's part of one of the most comical photographs of NF- in NFL history of just like absurdly jacked human beings like who is it uh laron landry has that one picture where he's like just yeah you know uh supplemented out of his gills right just looks like an absolute monster now you're making accusations i no no supplements i didn't say they were perfectly legal supplements Supplements. okay got it uh jared valdir is another one where he just looks like an absolute like marvel character standing next to a bunch of normal human beings um so he's got that picture, which you can find if you go, or, or the show will throw it up right now because we got awesome people. That's him on the left there. Wow. Uh, and then the people on the right are normal people. So he looked like an absolute lunatic, freak show, Marvel superhuman. Uh, but then the last time I saw him... He might not have a big impact on the game we're talking about, though. No, the last time I saw him, he looked like he's carrying less weight than you are. At a similar height. He's playing... And apparently he signed for the Colts practice squad to play football. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, Colts pass rush, as you mentioned, I think has been has been solid. Their front four grading well. DeForest Buckner is questionable, but I, I like the way the Colts defense played tough, man. Um, and if Trubisky keeps putting the ball in harm's way, Colts will take advantage. Colts are favored by one and a half here. Steelers also went from seven and four to seven and six. They set another record. I think they were the first team. <laughs> it was something like first team that had X number of wins and then lost back-to-back games with teams that had two or fewer wins. Or, I don't know. It was something bad to lose to the Cardinals and the Patriots in back-to-back weeks to land at 7-6 and six here. It feels also like the game where right when you're about to write off the Pittsburgh Steelers, they come back and, and win. That's Valdir? Yeah. That's what he looked like relatively recently. Yeah. It's like... He's 240 now. It's even light, lighter than Blake Freeland. It certainly is. Maybe that's why he's in there, to teach him. How do you get back to how do you get how you play. like I did? Here's how you play at 220 pounds at an offensive right. tackle. Let's make – got a lot of games here, man. What do you, let's make a pick. Colts by one and a half here. Hmm. 
I don't like buying into Gardner Minshew. On the other hand, Trubisky was terrible last time. So, uh, Colts. My only reasoning here is that once the, once the Steelers, once the back's against the wall, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. You know, because if they go, if they're 7-7, seven and seven, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're up against it here. We're up against the losing season. The losing yeah. season. So, Can't Tomlin, that. I'll take the Steelers to cover the, the one and a half here. Let's go uh, the third game on Saturdays. The Denver Broncos and the Detroit Lions. Lions favored by four, 8-15, Saturday night. Lions um, starting to lose a, a little confidence in the Lions here. They're, they're down to 9-4 and four now, Sam. Yeah. After their loss to the Bears last week. Uh, Broncos, 7-6 and six, like every other team in the AFC. <laughs> a game behind the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. Yeah, that's crazy. I, don't, um, I mean, I think that very easily could become two games this week <laughs> between them playing the you know, Broncos, Lions, and Chiefs, Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, it could it could equally not. I mean, this Detroit team is in trouble. I think they their defense is bad recently. They haven't been able to stop anybody. Okay, I think they're unusually susceptible to quarterbacks that can run, and obviously Justin Fields is a, a nightmare for that. But this year's version of Russ is much more mobile than he was a year ago. Like, he can make plays on the ground with his legs. Uh, Denver's offense isn't bad. I think they can have some success against the Lions' defense. And then Detroit's offense, A, it's been struggling badly recently. Like, Jared Goff has had three out of four of his last games have been awful. I mean, he's taken himself, like, 15 spots down the PFF grades in the last month. Uh, hasn't been playing well at all. And then quietly, since like Denver's defense is putting up like top five numbers since the turnaround from being one of the most wretched defenses in NFL history to start the year. Yeah, the Broncos have done a great job forcing turnovers, which we always talk about as, you know, at some point that that runs out. But the trend here for Goff since Thanksgiving, I know the week before Thanksgiving, three turnover-worthy plays against the Bears, three against the Packers, none against the Saints, and then two last week against the Bears again. You only had 14 on the season. Yeah. So that's eight out of his 14. Yeah. That's 57.1% of his turnover-worthy plays in the last four weeks for Jared Goff. That's what I bring to the table here. His freakish percentage ability. Immediate percentages. Yeah. Um, it's five actual interceptions in the last four games. Mm-hmm. It's PFF grades of 47, 52, 77, and 44. Yeah. Um, so three of his four worst games in the last – Four weeks and his three worst games, like his his three sorry worst his three games, worst games, yes. right? Oh, the in season the have come weeks. in the last four weeks, and the fourth that was bad was that Ravens game, which you know makes more sense because the Ravens look really good, but that wasn't that far ago. That was like the start. That was the first of their games where it's like, oh, whoa, where did that come from? You know, the Lions have been on a pretty good run. Their only other sort of their random loss was the Seattle one, right? But that was back in week two, and then they'd been cooking. They ran into Baltimore and, remember, got absolutely whooped, like both sides of the ball, complete beatdown. And you're like, where the hell did that come from? But then you sort of dismissed it as, well, maybe the Ravens are really good and these things happen. But that really was the start of this weird run where they've actually lost quite a lot or been bad or both. Um, so I wonder because I, one of my favorite things about the Lions is the fact that they've accumulated so many difficult-to-cover playmakers um, including the the running backs and the speed of Gibbs and the power of Montgomery, so they've they've got all these different answers. How much do they do they end up relying a little bit more on the run game? Are they going to try to dial this back and put a, take a little bit off of Goff's plate? 
because I, I liked the game earlier in the year against the Bucs where they had no running game. They were injured in the backfield, and Goff was able to kind of run the show and drop back 45 times and still win. But the way he's in a bit of a slump right now, I wonder how much they go back to slowing it down, run game, and I think we're going to see maybe a lower-scoring game because that's how the Broncos have played. Um, again, last week, it's not a high-volume game from Russell Wilson, but there's been one or two special throws per week even more a couple weeks ago in their loss, but one or two special throws a week from Russell Wilson, trust in the defense. It's very uh, early Seahawks-ish, actually, with the Broncos, the way they've been playing hmm. and how good they've been playing on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be a great game, Sam. Um, but I'm really curious to see how the Lions offense, with um, Goff's struggles three out of the last four weeks here, how they adjust. Yep. Um, I, I'm i kind of buying into Denver. I'm, I'm – I think the Lions are kind of in trouble. As the underdogs here. So uh, I don't know if I mentioned the line before, but Detroit by four Yeah, on Saturday night. Is that your pick? Yep. By the way, one mentioned P.J. Locke, the guy that's starting because Kareem Jackson is suspended, has looked really good. Like they don't actually they, – they may have upgraded by having the lunatic torpedo, you know, penalty magnet safety off the field even above and beyond the penalties that that's costing them yeah it's been it's hashtag fun to watch denver turn things around and and other players step up you know um like pj Locke making plays every single week especially even after a guy like kareem jackson jackson had played solid safety for a few weeks a few years the the last couple seasons here so yeah good job by pj Locke. all right man you're taking denver Mm mm-hmm I'll go Denver as well. See if so. By four, yeah, we'll say by four. I'll take the Broncos getting the four points here. All right, got to tell you about our friends over at AG One, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We drink it every single day here on the PFF NFL podcast. Gave it a try because I need those nutrients, guys. I need to. I need to eat better. Don't have the best diet, but AG One fills in the gaps in my diet so i like to kick my day off with some coffee and then my ag1 to get me going i've been going to a nutritionist over the last few months you know yeah and and they you know test you out and everything and since starting ag1 they're like oh things are looking much better it's almost like uh the nutrients that were missing are now there thanks to ag1 so all great athletes they have one thing in common they take care of their bodies huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health and a lot of them also drink ag1 so Helped me uh, become a huge fan with every daily serving. I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients that support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. Like I said, kick the day off with my coffee, with my AG1, and I'm good to go for the entire day. It's this micro habit that delivers macro benefits. As I said, my nutritionist, she's impressed. Helps just about everybody take great care of their health every single day. So you just mix the one small scoop with water, drink it first thing, and you're done. Also costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good, if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. A win-win for all of us here on the PFF NFL Podcast. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. You go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag, the number one, dot com slash PFF. Go check it out right now. As a, as a man of your dimensions at a nutritionist do you have to eat like special food for freaky sized people because like if you have a dog 
the the food is like formulated different for the size of dog. You got a really big dog, it's like special food for it. I don't know what's in it that's different, but you it know, just changes your uh, portion sizes. No, 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 that's it's all. not because it's the same. Like the bag is the same, right? You have to portion it out. You adjust the portions yourself, but the food itself is different. It's constructed somehow differently for you know giant freakish dogs. No, I, I don't are have you, differently formulated. You have different food. food, or you just eat more of it than normal people. Just eat more usually. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, let's get to the Sunday games, the 1 o'clock slate here. New York Giants at the New Orleans Saints. Tommy Cutlets going down to Nolens. Saints are favored by six here. Hmm. Against the uh, against Cutlets. Is there – so this is just fascinating right now. Is there a bigger discrepancy in love for from the difference between Tommy DeVito and Giants fans and the nation – Versus Derek Carr in the Saints. <laughs> is there a bigger discrepancy? Everybody loves cutlets and everybody hates De- Derek Carr. That's, that's what, what I'm saying. saying. Except yes. the cars, the family. Yes. I would say the Carr family loves Derek Carr more than Italian-Americans love Tommy Cutlets. Or cutlets in general. Mm-hmm. Veal, chicken, any of them. I would say the Carr family, they love Derek. Yes. More than anyone else loves anything in the world. You know, they scour Twitter. They block you if you say anything bad about Derek. I've hey, been blocked. I forget who it was, but someone had brought up uh, a game early in Peyton Manning's career where he lost to David Carr's Houston Texans, and he seemed particularly upset by that. <laughs> you know, he, Peyton he, did? Yeah, like Peyton, that clearly irked Peyton Manning that on his resume somewhere is a loss to David Carr's Houston Texans. It happens. Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, I just It just came to me. You've got the uh, cultural phenomenon that is Tommy DeVito mm. going up against Derek Carr, who has gotten to a fight with his skill position players, his Everybody. center. Yeah. He's almost been booed off the field the last two weeks. All that said. And he's been banged every, up, like beat up. He's playing hurt. Hurt. Like, why? I'm kind of surprised that they haven't sat him down for Jameis for a couple of games. But all that said, two weeks ago, after he was getting booed early, he came back and yeah. played pretty well. And last week, it was a really rough start against the Panthers. He came back and they you know, scored some touchdowns in the second half and actually scored in the red zone. Do you think the teams allow their sort of position in the hunt, you know, to, to disproportionately affect those types of decisions? Like, I feel like if the Vikings had three fewer wins this season, Jaron Hall would be starting this game. And I also feel like the Saints would have sat Derek Carr for a couple of games if they were randomly, you know, three games worse off than they are now. But because they're, like, in the hunt for the division title, let alone the no, playoffs, think, no, they go, no, we need Derek Carr. He's still our best chance to win. Let's let's put him out there with his record. Because he's hurt or because you think Jameis would be better than him? Well, either. Certainly because he's they, hurt. No, they just paid Derek Carr a ton of money. In recent history, Derek Carr has been a better quarterback. I'm not saying you go away from him random, like you would go away from him anyway. But like as soon as he's dealing with a rib injury, you'd be like, well, there's no real difference between Jameis and Derek and yeah, Derek Carr. So let's make the change. Like let's let him heal. And by the way, he seems to be getting everybody pissed off. So another reason to sit his ass down. Yeah, all I know is he's he's played better after getting booed. So if you're in the dome, maybe boo him. Let the boos rain down early here. Right? Really stick it to him. Cheer cutlets <laughs> in the dome. Right? Maybe you trade for Tommy DeVito at the end of the season. Is, is Derek the kind of guy that is motivated by spite like Aaron Rodgers? 
I mean, it's worked the last couple of weeks. He started chucking it downfield against Detroit. At, I, I mean, feel the, like they're the cars as a hurt. family, though, are too sensitive for that to be a thing. Oh, probably. Like yeah. they, they don't. I mean, they feel the they feel the spite. They just don't. It doesn't. No, we've got Darren Carr, who's the Twitter blocker. Yeah. You have David Carr who's just delusional NFL analyst who thought that Derek Carr was the most valuable player in the world. He's the hype man. In 2020. So you've got the, the family policeman, which is uh, Derek? No. Darren. Darren. Darren, that's it. So you've got Darren, who's the, the sort of the, the bouncer, the cop. And then you've got David, who's the hype man. And then Derek, who's the front man. I think Derek's perfectly fine, though. Like, he's, you know, the easiest one out of all of them. Like, because when he, you know, gives interviews and everything, like, you just tell he's passionate and wants to win and... Whatever. I don't know. But he does kind of yell at his team too much. Anyway, any football analysis to add to this? I mean, look, the Saints, Saints defense The Saints defense is good. So this is not an easy task for Cutlets, um, who's been feisty more than good, you know? And again, like kind of like how much of his success has been things like Green Bay's defense being unusually situationally terrible, right? It's like... Yeah, he executed the comeback drive. On the other hand, they, they kind of let him do it. I mean, I, I also mentioned when he his very first start, it was like, man, it's like Dable and Kafka, like they're, they were hyped up as offensive play callers and offensive geniuses or whatever. They were hyped up for reasons, reasons that we didn't see earlier in the year where they could not make any adjustments on offense. They had the offensive line was getting whooped and they weren't doing anything creative to help Daniel Jones. Nothing was working. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, they're calling a better game, putting defenses on their heels a little bit more. Tommy DeVito, good job by him to execute it, but he's kind of the beneficiary as well. Um, they've also leaned into his running ability. He had, what, 70, 80 yards the other night, mm -hmm. um, both on design plus scrambles. So they're tapping into that skill set just a little bit as well. And then the uh, general hysteria around it, which has been, which has been fun. Yeah. Um, led to some fodder. The Saints should be a better team here, though. They should. That's why they're favored by six. They've just, man, it's like, again, every time you want to buy into the Saints, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Disappointing. The, the Giants receivers were good against Green Bay. I think that's a, a big thing. If those guys can consistently make plays for cutlets, um, obviously Jalen Hyatt brings the speed, but Wondell Robinson had a great game with a few yeah, big plays good. there. Like, if, if that group can coalesce around DeVito, then – you know, between that and his rushing ability. And that's, it's very Josh Dobbs-like, right? Like he's, he's athletic enough to be able to scramble and make plays and keep the chains going so that he can maybe buy, you know, just enough time to make a, a few passes to keep the thing moving. That rushing ability is important for him. Like he is sneaky athletic. Um, the one other thing I'll add here as far as like predicting Tommy DeVito's future, like we don't know what that's going to look like. Um, when a Jake Browning has a breakout game, you're like, okay, he was – a very good college quarterback who maybe figured things out. DeVito was this up and down roller coaster ride in college across two different schools. And they won some games at Illinois and the whole thing. But like, it's almost like, like you're expecting that to regress a little bit. You're expecting Brock Purdy to regress, but it's Purdy similar to Browning where it's like, he was a good college quarterback overall. He's a good, like, you don't, I don't even know if you say that about DeVito. <laughs> you just kind of, you know, Hit a little run here with the Giants. Yeah. But you got the hype of the Giants versus run, the Saints, though. who I hate picking. So where are you going to go in this one? Giants. Yeah. They're on a three-game win streak with uh, with Cutlets here. 
I'm just, I hate talking about this. It just makes me so hungry. My mom makes great chicken cutlets. I mean, she just cranks them out and like when they're fresh off the stuff. Oh man, they're so good. And as a man of your dimensions, you got to eat a lot of those. Oh dude, I crush chicken cutlets. <laughs> I asked, I asked Kelly to make some for me, but then you got the nutritionist too. You got the nutritionist I was just talking about. I mean, she's not in on the, you know, the fried cutlets, you know. Oh dude, you are going to do so much damage to some Vegas buffets when we go to the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, if we can find a flight that's under a grand, we can. Yeah. I can't wait to get out there. Yeah, you we'll, use that money on the the buffets. Oh, gonna, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Super Bowl. We should stay the extra day so we can get one extra buffet. We one should extra fly buffet. back on Tuesday. Just All right. splash out and move from the uh, the Luxor to the Venetian or something. Go get their buffet. Yes. New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins favored by eight and a half here. Um, I looking forward to this one, man. What do we get from Zach Wilson? Is he still centered? Now, <laughs> I've gone to the chiropractor before. Oh, God. You know? I know you're not a chiropractor fan. Yeah. But they're like, you know, you get you get moved around. It's like, oh, this leg's longer than that. And you're out. You, know, you, get, you get. What? That's what. That's how they get you, right? They're like, oh, this leg's a little bit longer. Let me, you know. You're off center. You're, basically, they're saying you're off center. They, like, oh, now Do you ask for, like, confirmation on that? Or do you just take the guy's word for it? Sure, this leg's longer than the I've other. had some pretty scammy... Uh, chiropractors yeah the guy i go to over here in cincinnati though made my back feel much better i had some serious <laughs> back issues a couple summers ago and he helped me got it but i had this one guy when i was this is why the podcast is so long he had mm. the, the gun he'd like this gun he'd shoot you with the gun and this and that is big scam the like the theragun like thing a, not a, it's like a clicker thing it's it what? was weird it's very weird he thought he was at like the forefront of all chiropractic work I, we, I, I don't know. We probably have so many chiropractors. That Pushing the us, boundaries of chiropractic do not, science. Do not trash chiropractors. I, have you All ever I'm trying to say is <laughs> you need to go back. So does, does Zach Wilson get re-centered right now? Because he just played a football game, took some hits. He's probably less centered yeah. after getting hit. At a, at does a, he get re-centered this week? Do they have the time to recenter him without the time off? Well, it sounded like it needed a break for him to be recentered. So is he only good on three weeks rest? Yes. Right? So he's got to take three weeks off. Or can he bounce back? Is he okay with six days rest as we have pitchers? Six days rest. Right. Did you ever see, there's a video, there's probably a lot of them, but one in particular I've seen of, um, you know, those videos of chiropractors where they're like slowly, you know, caressing a guy's neck and then, <laughs> right? And there's a load of those. That's a whole thing, right? There's a, vi- <laughs> the video of like construction workers, like contract workers like caressing a thing, a drywall, and then be like, <laughs> like snapping it in half, and it's just the whole takeoff of the chiropractor thing. It's pretty funny. Did you go look it so up? They just go through like all different. Yeah, and it's just like a whole bunch of guys in like you know neon vests and whatever, like clutching a two by four, and then be like, oh, that's good, I snapping like it. it over, just like they were a chiropractor. I mean, just like we've asked for billionaires, we've asked for weathermen or air uh, pilots. If you're a chiropractor, let us know, and then you could track Sam need, in the comments. Do we need feedback from chiropractors? Not feedback. I just want to know if there's chiropractors that uh, that listen, so I know who you're insulting. Oh, I want to know how many of our okay. listeners you insult. I've already done that. I mean, me and Trev had a big thing about it. Oh, you did. Yeah. Sorry, I missed it. <laughs> All right, talk about the football, Sam. Oh, man, that's that's a that's part of the intro. That's right. Um, it's yeah, a consistent part of the show. You've as got well. you've got you've got Zach Wilson and his recenteredness, and then obviously the other part is you've got the Jets defense going up against Tua and the Miami, and the Miami offense. Um, and injury-related, are we getting Tyreek Hill? I mean, he came back into the game with another ankle sprain and another hip drop tackle, by the way. 
which by it wasn't even like a that was atrocious tackling technique he just kind of launched himself at him all four limbs splayed grabbed hold of his shoulder pads and then fell forward onto his ankles they're talking about that tackle today i mean that's a whole nother spiel the nfl has been pushing this tackle technique to to prevent head injuries for 10 years they did a whole like youth movement teaching kids how to tackle like this the nfl over has 10 tank- years the nfl has a tackling problem across the board like every single technique they teach is the is a recipe for injury well so troy vincent like they're talking about this today the competition committee or whoever's meeting right now they're gonna ban this thing next year after spending a decade teaching america how to tackle like this so this is gonna be a 15 yard penalty next year this, it's going to be insane. You think, you know, scoring's down this year. It's going to go up by 12 points a game per team next year just by nobody's able to tackle. But they also have this problem where, so you've got that tackle as a problem. You've got the fact that they used to teach, the technique they teach in terms of where you put your head is the exact opposite of where you're supposed to put it in order to avoid concussions. Like the idea of putting your head across the body so that you get more of your body in the way basically means you get knee in the head all the time, right? It's, it's literally the opposite place. Rugby teaches cheek to cheek, right? This cheek against yeah. this cheek, ass cheek to cheek cheek to stop your head getting run over by a dude's hips or knees, right? The NFL doesn't do that. In fact, they teach the opposite. But now you're in this world where, all right, we're going to outlaw this tackle. We're going to outlaw that tackle. There's like three or four different ways of taking a guy down that are all going to be illegal. And we have no way of actually teaching them the difference because we don't practice enough. So you can't do what you do in other sports and, like, we need to change everybody's tackling technique because you don't have the, the practice time anymore. You should be on the competition committee. 100%. Um, and one other thing. How does Tyreek Hill have what seems to be, a, like, a season-ending injury every, every week. single week? Yeah. Every single week. I had made this comment about Mike Evans recently. He's been better. But Mike Evans would always come up like limping or something. Like Tyreek really does this every week, and everybody's like, "Oh no, he blew a hamstring." And it's like, "No, he's back in ten." But points. this was another one that was supposed to be like a high ankle injury. They tape, tape him up, and he's like, "This really hurts." And then apparently, a text from his wife or fiance or whatever it was was like, "Get the hell back out there!" And he runs out and pl- like immediately looks like Tyreek Hill again. It's like, what the hell? Wait, have the last ten years of high ankle sprains just been people being, you know, too like? cowardly to just get on the field and play through it soft the old right. the old days they were soft now apparently the young players are playing through it maybe it's the advances in tape technique that have just allowed the high ankle sprain and now just be a pain threshold thing anyway last time they played we saw a pick six on a hill mary well we saw the tim boyle game yeah tim boyle game um the jets defense against the miami offense it is a great battle we did see the value of tyree kill when he's not healthy or not on the field yeah Things do completely change. It's different. Um, I know some. I know the two of people. They're in. They're coming out of the. They're coming off of Reddit for a little bit here to to show up and give me some on off splits for two over with wit, wit and without Tyree Kill. I know yeah. the stats are still good this year. They are, um, but there is a noticeable difference when you yeah. don't have Tyree Kill because even like he gets out there and runs a deep out and all of a sudden two is precision. There is something to not only do they get open better like good receivers get open more they also kind of like induce the quarterback to make better throws it is crazy how it works i looked this up at one point like the tom brady's big time throw rate thrown to gronk or big ben roethlisberger thrown to antonio brown they seem to make better tight window throws too to those guys because of the confidence or whatever it might be um 
it does change everything when two is out there yeah. healthy, and especially against this Jets defense. I also, like, I can't imagine what the difference in timing is like when you go from Tyreek Hill to human. That's true, too. It's like Tyreek Hill calibration, runs, yeah, right? He runs a 15-yard dig, right? The difference that you have in, in either when you need to release the ball or where you need to aim that ball when it's Tyreek Hill versus just a normal fast person must be insane. It's a really good point, right? Because with two is quick release you're literally making him work quicker because he's got to get rid of it quicker because of Tyree Kill. It is also fascinating that the Chiefs kind of did the opposite. They didn't run a whole lot of timing routes with Tyreek other than from the slot. It was more like run run fast down the field, get open, and then Mahomes will throw it behind everybody. Right. Anyway, should be a great game. I've highlighted the Jets' coverage in the middle of the field in particular. Love their corners, but the middle of the field defense – for the Jets has been outstanding relative to the rest of the league this year. That's where Miami likes to attack. Um, on the other side, I don't know which. Uh, are you buying into Zach Wilson having coming off the best game of his career and doing it again? Against uh, no, I mean only insofar as Zach Wilson should be better than Tim Boyle was against the Dolphins. That's as, that's the extent to my of of my buy-in of Zach Wilson. So you're taking the Jets? Yes. I'll also take I the hate Jets, it, but I'm taking them. It's eight and a half points. A lot of points for defense. That this is the, th- the Dolphins fans were in the comments the other day. And they said, last week you said too many points for the Dolphins. And they covered it against Washington. Yeah. And then last week we said too many points against the Titans. The Titans won it. The Dolphins are also coming off a heartbreaker. On also, they covered it with three minutes to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they lost the game. So for the third straight week, I'm saying too many points for the Dolphins. I'll yeah. take the Jets in part because of the injuries. I think the Dolphins will win, though. Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Speaking of Will Levis. Titans are favored by three against the Texans. This wouldn't have happened a couple weeks ago. I know the Titans, you got the home road splits. They're in Nashville. They're coming off their first win outside of Nashville in over a year. But Will Levis leading that comeback the other night. DeAndre Hopkins being dominant as he is. Looks like Vegas buying into the Titans being a little better than their record. Eh, I mean, I think this one's more about who's missing for Houston. Or is it just right? Houston's injuries, yeah. Like, C.J. Stroud is still concussed. He didn't practice Wednesday. He might play, he might not. We don't know. But even if he does, he doesn't have any receivers left anymore because, you know, Tank Dell had his broken uh, leg. Nico Collins left that game with a, with an injury that's going to be a few weeks to heal. I mean, he just doesn't have anybody to throw to right now. So even if he plays, and frankly, if I was looking at this from a Texans point of view, I'm not sure I'd be rushing to put him out there. Uh, I don't know that they can have much success moving the ball on offense. I just thought of a funny story. I have to derail the podcast for one second. Perfect. You st- when you said Tyreek Hill got like texted, like get back in there. Yeah. So when we were in AAA in Fresno, and like all the wives and girlfriends or whatever came in for like a, a week, and they were all hanging out together in the outfield, one of my teammates was out there pitching, and his fiance at the time maybe was really hard on him right so he gets out there pitching throws like two balls you hear from the crowd in left field she goes figure it out (laughs) screaming at him from like the grassy knoll in left field Mm. and he's like looking at her and then before you know he starts pumping strikes and it was was great it worked at the time it worked it was just just came to mind the other thing like if my wife ever did that to me yeah we wouldn't be getting wouldn't go well the the other thing that isn't that illegal Using your phone, like, at halftime or whatever? I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I thought it was. I thought you weren't allowed. Like, it... I mean, Shadur Sanders was, like, 
no, but that's Instagram college. And stuff. But like, but in in the NFL, I thought you were like half an hour before the game or whatever. Cell phones I, get locked in a box and you can't use it until after. I posted that video of Shannon Sharp on the sideline yeah. from 1999 on a cell phone yeah. during Monday Night Football. Was it legal back then? What a cell phone too. It was an amazing cell phone. Yeah. Check out my Twitter account. You got Shannon Sharp with on the, the cell phone with the big aerial. Yeah, he was not playing. He was in he was in street clothes. Right. Um, so yeah, we don't know that Texans Titans. <laughs> I don't know if uh, we don't know if CJ Stroud's going to play. Obviously, that makes a big difference. But Davis Mills goes from like you don't want him as your starter, but he was a, did some cool things as a starter mm-hmm. relative to expectations, and he's probably a pretty good backup if he does have to play. Yeah, if you had receivers. Yeah, like, I know. that's the problem. I know they're all hurt, yeah. and Will Anderson also got added to the injury list yesterday. He's in the. I think it was another high ankle sprain, so you know he'll probably be ready to go. High ankles, far as the eye can see. Last year was the year of the calf. This is the year of the high ankle sprain. And the Achilles. And the Achilles. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's all lower body, lower leg injuries. Right. Nobody's hurt a peck, no. like all year. But I think the, the, the I think it's because of the practice time. You cut practice time, these guys are hurting. I think they their, need to temper their lower legs. All I'm saying is everything that the NFL <laughs> in the NFLPA has done over the last 10 years, everything <laughs> that they've done bad. to make the game better was like, oh, this is a good idea all of the unintended consequences it's like let's let's create late now whatever late hits the headshots and everything headshots led to hip drop tackles we want it we don't want head head we don't want headshots we want we, we create hip drop tackle hip, hip drop tackles now we, we got to get rid of those now we're gonna have no tackles <laughs> right just nobody's allowed to tackle anymore <laughs> 10 years from now patrick mahomes has thrown for 8500 yards because 49-year-old Travis Kelsey weaves through the defense and they couldn't grab his flags you would in love, time. You would love the arguments going on in rugby right now because they are thinking about banning any tackle above the nipples, right? So now you can't, can't, you've never been able, you haven't been able to go for the head for a while, right? But you could have gone like shoulder down. Now it's like, no, if it's above the nipple line, that's, that's not cool. So it's, we're like, we're shrinking, you know, the window that you can aim for incrementally year by year. The so NFL's going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because I heard the art when they... Right, but at the moment, the NFL, it's like, it's, it's feet to head. You're cool, right? Rugby is already at like this, and it's getting, shrinked as it, it's getting shrunk the longer we go. Oh, man. Anyway. This show is going to break records. It's going to be our longest ever. No, we're just, we're just going to start picking games. I'm sorry. If your team gets neglected, we're just picking games now. Let's go. Texans, Titans, make a pick here. By the way, Will Levis is must-see TV. Got to watch Will Levis. He's getting scolded by Vrabel for being a psycho. <laughs> he said so. He's just <laughs> dropping his shoulder and laying into like again. The NFL is going out of their way yeah. to protect quarterbacks, and Will Levis is out there like paying homage to '90s fullbacks. Can you imagine how upset Tom Brady is watching Will Levis play football? That's not what he's upset about. Of course it is. He's like these people out here not protecting themselves, like no, risking I guess he everything. Is. Yeah, he's upset. About he's that. like, what are you doing? How are you going to stay? Trying home? to run over Jalen Ramsey. I'm telling we, we're, we're getting into a great area where Levis has some Josh Allen in him, playing style-wise. Sam Howell has some Josh yeah. Allen in him. We're just going to get exciting it's football. Fun. It's crazy and ill-advised, but it's fun. Yes. And this is, I mean, Vrabel. Like, Vrabel's not happy with it. Like, he's like, I'm going to have to show him some videos of quarterbacks not getting run the hell over. They said they were showing him videos of QBs sliding. Yeah. That didn't work. Uh-huh. So now we're going to show him videos of QBs getting killed, right. basically. So, 
I mean, the, the, the running over Ramsey thing was one thing. Trying to tackle the defensive tackle that you just threw a pick to in the end zone, like he'd already scored at this point, was way more egregious. Either way, I, Levis is fun to watch. All right. Um, Highest graded game of his career, um, and a lot of it came in crunch time, throwing the ball down the field and getting DeAndre Hopkins involved. He's got a big-time throw rate of almost 6%. Turnover-worthy play rate's high as well. But, yeah, well, Levis is going to be – He's going to be entertaining because I think he's got that he's got that volatility that could any given week put up a ton of points and create a lot of big plays. The uh, I think this is a Houston Oilers throwback game as well, which oh. means Titans win. So it's a it's the Battle of Houston. Who oh, owns? They're the, really who owns they're, the Oilers? They're trying to stick it to the Texans here. Yeah, I we're think the so. Real Houston. Um, somebody. We're the real Oilers. Somebody in the chat says, "I mean, they aren't supposed to have phones in jail either." Not sure that's quite the same logic, but I, I appreciate where you went with that. <laughs> should the uh, the Texans should also wear Oilers throwbacks? They should go with the the blue versus They'll the white. Go get cease and desist. Like didn't that Houston the the Oilers the Titans sent a cease and desist to the to the University of Houston because they're like oh same color yeah they, well they yeah. were they were running this like homage you know yeah. color scheme and they were like no that's too close you can't do it I I see what you're doing there. With your no Oilers labeling, but clearly Oilers colors. You, we own that, not you. Anyway, Titans. Yeah, I'll take the Titans as well. Throwbacks. I mean, if Stroud plays, I might want to flip my pick, but I'll let you know on Sunday. We're taking the Titans to cover the three. Yeah. All right, we're going fast here. Rest seven more games, whatever it is. Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. Browns favored by three. Browns are down their top three offensive tackles now. Yep. Uh, already out, Jack Conklin, D- Jedrick Wills, and Dewan Jones all out. We also have Obo Okorokwo, torn pec. I think he's out for the season. Right after me saying no one would torn a pec. You're right. There was Somebody else went down with a pec as well. I, I, Maybe all it the wasn't injuries. wasn't true when I said it. it was it's just, just all the injuries. Yeah. It's all the same. Meanwhile, the Bears defense, playing great. Um, every now and again, coming out of a two-and-a-half-hour show, I'm like, man, I really – Really left a lot of the cutting board there. I mm. did forget to mention how great Montez Sweat played on Sunday against the Lions. Uh, beat Taylor Decker for a couple pressures, including a sack. Uh, he's been playing great. A lot of people are using the wit without cutoff for since Montez Sweat showed up. The Bears defense is great. I definitely think that's noisy and not necessarily predictive of the future. However, Sweat has been playing pretty well for the Bears here. Yeah, absolutely. Keep an eye on, especially against um, whoever's going to be playing tackle now for the Browns. Whoever it's Jerron Christian, right at left tackle, and not Hubbard. Is it Hubbard? Hudson. Hudson. That's it. James right. Hudson. And he was a, yeah. So that's not great. Um, with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does feel like a potential weakness. That being said, like the Bears. Okay, Montez Sweat is a good player, but it's still if you had to pick a team to play two backup tackles against, that would they'd be one of your top five, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know. Uh, Cleveland's defense is still nasty, even without Okoronkwo. Um, Miles Garrett looks back to his best. Again, what the hell is with people this year? It's like massive season-long crippling injuries derail them for like a week, and then they're back to being defensive player of the year. Like we've had Trey Hendrickson, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby all have like what looks like a disastrous injury, and it made them play worse, but not bad, just like not great for a week. And then yeah. the next week, it's like, no, I'm good now. Defensive player of the year again. We've got incredible recovery drugs. I don't know. I'm posing the question. Hmm. I'm just saying a lot of people are recovering a lot quicker, it seems. Random testing, maybe. Yeah. 
saying you, now, you're, now you're suggesting. Well, I mean, you're suggesting the random, HGH or something. The random testing that clearly isn't random, you know, where a guy has a good game, they get a letter saying, hey, you've been that's, selected for the random test. That's anecdotal. I'm just saying maybe the random testing might want to focus on the players that are like good to go after two weeks after hearing a pop in a shoulder or a knee yeah. or a bicep or whatever. The testing thing is all anecdotal. That's people complaining. Anyway, um, you know, we talked a lot about Justin Fields yesterday to the uh, dismay of some people, but um, <laughs> Justin Fields, man, he's one of the stories of the NFL these last four games, whatever he looks like and leading into that Bears decision, and he's coming off a good game against the Lions. He's thrown the ball pretty well. He's been dynamic as a runner, had the 11, 12-yard touchdown run the other day um, against, a, against a Browns defense that plays a lot of man. Mm-hmm. That does have a lot of you know, creates a lot of tight window throws for quarterbacks. Might see Fields having to run the ball a lot more, puts a little more pressure on the Browns front four, play contain rather than trying to you know move him off his spot. I mean, this is also a way better defense than he's faced in a while, so that that will make it interesting. But it you know they play a lot of man coverage, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to stopping uh, a quarterback that is looking to scramble a lot of the time. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a change for the Cleveland defense. They have been vulnerable to those kind of second reaction plays this season, whether it's designed as misdirection part of the offense, reverses, that kind of thing, or whether it's simply a quarterback scrambling in a place he's not supposed to be going. Um, so that that dynamic is pretty interesting. And then it's like how successful can Flacco be attacking a defense that is much more run-of-the-mill vanilla, uh, but he doesn't have his, he doesn't have any tackles. Um, yeah. Do you think Joe Flacco can keep it up? Last time we saw him have a good two-week stretch, I think with the Jets earlier in the year, he, once he hit week three, it was like, oh, he came back down to earth. I mean, he's grading at 66 over the last couple weeks. Um, I mean, even like the raw stats aren't great, but he's had five touchdowns in two weeks, like I said the other day. A lot of those were bad defense Yeah, as well. I mean, look, I, I think the thing for Flacco is can he have a game that doesn't have a, bra- a back-breaking turnover slash mistake um, he had one of the, like last week he avoided a ridiculous throw to a safety randomly the week before he didn't right I, I honestly think that's kind of what Joe Flacco's games come down to he'll be he'll move the ball he'll have success he'll put up some numbers but can he avoid that ridiculous turnover that's going to put them in a hole and give a possession away because that that might be the difference in this type of game between winning and losing all right Cleveland favored by three at home I have not been able to get you have the, the weather there. Oh, the weather? Uh, give me one second. The weather for this game, according to PFF Greenline, 45 degrees, overcast, so eight-eighths cloud cover, and that's it. I'm disappointed in the weather this week. We have games in Cleveland, in Green Bay, and in Buffalo, and yeah. it's all just 40s and clear. Why is that disappointing? It's December. I want some weather. I only want snow. I don't. December games are one on the ground. I want to wake up. I don't make want snow rain. angels on the ground because that's how you win December games. I don't like. I don't want rain. I don't. Rain stinks. Wind stinks. Yeah, I, want, I just want. That's snow. What, there should have been snow. Okay. In one of these games, well, in maybe Cleveland, will be. Buffalo, or Green Bay. There's no snow. There's cloud cover in all of them. Maybe the cloud cover. Will I mean, turn. I, I like a good gloomy game in December. That's fine. I want some snow. So you're taking Cleveland to cover the three. I'll take Chicago, man. They're gonna have a tough time containing Justin Fields. All right. I'll take the Bears to, to cover the three. Falcons at the Panthers. Falcons favored by three here. Falcons are six and seven, tied with the Bucks and the Saints in the NFC South. And of course, the Panthers, they have one win 
and they're destined to give the Bears the number one overall pick. Rematch from week one, it was Bryce Young's debut. That is when he hit Jesse Bates for a couple interceptions over the middle of the field. Mm. We can see more of that in this game in Carolina. Yeah. Can Jesse Bates bait him into more interceptions and or has Bryce Young learned anything from the first time it happened? That will definitely be something worth monitoring. Um, Just a little recap here. So last week, from Atlanta's perspective, Drake London was outstanding. I don't know if we have given him enough credit for the game that he had, um, but it keeps getting us back into this position. If they can get more consistent quarterback play, they have all the pieces to, um, to make a run here. Bryce Young is closing in on it's one of the worst rookie seasons we've seen from a grading standpoint 49.1 really is but at the same time it and it's felt uncomfortable right it's felt like we can't get any passes completed down the fields nothing's good but Desmond Ritter his grade's only a little bit better Mm. than Bryce Young this year and I, I think I think it shows you don't have that same feeling from Ritter other than he does make the disastrous mistake at the wrong time but even Ritter's able to average almost two yards per attempt more than Bryce Young because he's got a Drake London to throw it up to, or he has a Kyle Pitts to make a big play here and there. And I think that's you know clearly the difference in the game is the Falcons have a much better supporting cast on offense than the Panthers. Yeah, they do. Uh, this game, this is a weather game for you. No, it's rain. In Carolina? It's Moderate rain. Yeah, that Bryce, doesn't feel like a way of uh, improving Bryce Young's season. Bryce doesn't need that no. in his life. Uh, and I feel like if, you're, if that's going to help one of these teams, it's probably helping the Falcons, not just because Bryce Young will be worse than already bad, but because that's a team designed to run the ball anyway. Like If you're going to pivot towards that kind of game plan for the weather, this is what you do anyway. All right. We gave everybody something to watch for in this game. Where are you going to go? Uh, Atlanta. I feel like this Atlanta is Atlanta covering the three in Carolina? Yeah. It's going to be miserable. I'll take it as well. I'll take the Falcons. All right. The uh, other 1 o'clock game, Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. This was originally a Monday night football game. I believe this is the first ever Monday night football game flexed out of Monday night football. And what a game to flex out. Yeah. I mean, all the jokes where the Patriots are so bad that they flexed Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs out of primetime. Right. Yeah, but Mahomes versus Belichick, it's still somewhat intriguing there. The uh, Chiefs are favored by 8.5 here in New England. Patriots coming off of their win against the Steelers. There's at least something to watch here. Kansas City's offense against the Patriots' defense. First time Belichick has gone up against Mahomes without Tyree Kill. Remember, he used to always have a special game plan for Tyree Kill. I assume that'll be uh, allotted for Travis Kelsey in this game. And uh, so some intrigue there and then seeing if, you know, can Bailey Zappi coming off a three touchdown game, can he uh, put something together against a very good Chiefs defense? Yeah, flex, flex Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, and potentially Taylor Swift out of Monday Night Football. That's impressive. Yeah. That might be the last thing. Like, a lot of people are like, that's the last straw for Robert Kraft. You think this is what you it was? You got us flexed out of prime time here. Hmm. We got we to change everything. ESPN said, no thanks. Yeah. Therefore, your time has come. It's an embarrassment. We're out of here. It's Dynasty's over. The dynasty's Again, over. This was the moment. Here. This is going to be. This is going to be a book written. This was the moment that the Bel- Belichick's time the was done. It's Taylor Swift was flexed when, out when ESPN said no thanks. Chiefs are at eight and five here. I mean, the Patriots are only uh, what five games behind them. Five games. Huh? It's getting closer. Chiefs are eight and five. They get the one game lead in the AFC West. However, the the rest of the Chiefs' schedule involves games like this: Patriots and Zappy, Raiders and Aiden O'Connell. 
Bengals and Jake Browning, Chargers and Easton Stick. Um, even though the Chiefs are two games behind the Ravens for the number one seed, I still think that one number one seed is in play yeah. for Kansas City because they could very easily win out here, go 12-5. and five. It is, but equally, this whole thing, like this season, the theme almost across the board has been nobody's hit on all cylinders with the, I think the exception of the 49ers, like even Dallas, Dallas still has to work against the fact they got stomped by the 49ers. Um, but like the chiefs haven't been the chiefs, particularly on offense. The bills haven't been the bills. The Bengals weren't the Bengals. Now they've been dealing with quarterback injuries. Like all these teams that we thought would be elite, true contenders haven't been. And for the Eagles and the Chiefs, the two Super Bowl teams, because we just saw them in the big, the biggest game and, and one of them winning it, you're like, well, they're going to get there eventually, you know, and, and they figured it out before, they'll figure it out again. I mean, we're running out of time, right? We've got four games left. It's time to figure it out. Otherwise, what are we doing here? So the whole Kadarius Tony thing, right, lining up offsides, it's kind of distracted from the fact that, again, it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen, and then it was highlighted by one guy making a you know silly play and lining up offside but like are we ever going to see this team figure it out and you know Travis Kelsey's on his podcast the new heights thing saying you know we have the 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 personnel the guys here are good enough to win a championship and all these mistakes are self-inflicted and you know we can fix this I, I I kind of agree I think they can but they're running out of time to actually do it and this is another game where yeah, the Patriots might be a bit of a laughing stock this season. They still do have a good defense, though. So That side of the ball could be competitive, for right. sure. And again, I, I always view this when there's eight, nine point spreads. It's like, all right, how, how could you keep this close? The Chiefs' defense has not been great from a run game. They haven't been great stopping the run. They've been excellent from a pass game perspective, keeping QBs off balance other than maybe Jordan Love a couple weeks ago. But if New England gets into that grinded-out run game where Zeke's getting his three, four, five yards – playing good defense, you might be able to get a close game here. The The Chiefs have also, they've only scored more than 21 points in five games this year out of 13. And so, you know, if you look at, a lot of people are talking about the Chiefs and like the personnel moves to put this group of receivers out there. It's literally Rasheed Rice for Juju Smith-Schuster. That's the difference in personnel moves last year to this year. But last year, the receivers played better and Mahomes played better, and they called better. Like, everything was better last year across Kansas City. They hit a couple little, you know, bumps in the road here and there. But overall, it was a pretty dominant season for the Chiefs from start to finish. And so, and that carried into the playoffs. So that's the concern here is they, they haven't figured it out offensively. Um, I think Mahomes has certainly played better than the stats have showed. This is the first time in his career I think that's the truth. Right, the first time in Mahomes' career, because again, there was a game against New England a few years ago where he had like a 45 grade and a passer rating of 110, because he had tap passes and yards after the catch. And it's the first time in Mahomes' career I think he's playing better than the stats. It used to be the other way around, and I think that's gonna that all can start catching up to the Chiefs, where the offense is just not producing, or maybe to that point it's like maybe they just start catching the ball a little bit better. I think the drops are still a little overrated. It's it's the it's the down to down. It's not just one drop here and there. It's the down to down. It's just so inconsistent from a pass game perspective for the Chiefs. But I think things like those, you know, you've always sort of been of the opinion of things like drop passes are not a big deal. You know, you can overcome those. The, the, the getting open part is more important. I think generally that's been true. 
But because of this current trend of defense is fighting back and offense becoming less efficient, any negative is becoming a bigger thing. Yeah. So I think the like taking a sack is a bigger problem than it used to be. Getting a holding penalty is a bigger problem than it used to be. Dropping a football is a bigger problem than it used to be because all of these negatives are harder to overcome in the next two downs because we're already struggling to complete these passes. So I think we're in this world now where any inefficiency within your offense, and right now the Chiefs are dealing with them everywhere, right? You've got penalties all over the place from lining up wrong or Juwan Taylor getting pinged for everything he's doing. You've got people dropping the football. You've got fumbles from receivers. Like, all of these things are happening, and they can't overcome them anymore the way they used to be able to. Like, Mahomes is not able to do that on his own or just Mahomes and Kelsey and eradicate all those negatives. So either they need to stop making that volume of negative plays or something fundamental needs to change about how explosive they can be. I didn't look it up. I apologize. But uh, Mahomes' grade against the Patriots has not been great uh, through the years from from what I remember. They haven't played in a couple of years. But the grade itself wasn't great, but the production was good. Right. If that continues, again, they don't have the playmakers to overcome that. So there is a world where Belichick and New England have some success and maybe they could keep this into a – uh, a little bit closer game. So eight and a half here for the Chiefs in New England on the road. Another game where there's no weather, man. It's in the 40s and it's clear and it's fun. Uh, normal football weather. It's uh, overcast. It'll be overcast. Mm, that's eight. Well, eight. it's a dreary December uh, Sunday afternoon. It's not zero eight. It's eight eights cloudy. Eight eights cloudy. Where are you going with this one? Chiefs by eight and a half in New England. Uh, that's a lot of points for an offense struggling as much as they are. Um, hmm. I do unfortunately think that Bailey Zappi will come down to earth and have some ugly turnovers, at which point that might be enough to cover it. So let's go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'll take the Chiefs. I think the that side of the ball, Zappi passing game against Spags, Spags. Could, be, uh, could be trouble for the Patriots. Uh, let's go Washington Commanders at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams favored by 6.5 here. Rams are 6-7 and seven, right on the verge of – playoff positioning where are they ranked exactly here the rams are currently the number eight seed at six and seven tied with the packers i won't say that i won't say it again um tied with the packers as well as the seahawks falcons and saints all at six and seven Mm -hmm. but the rams are second in the hierarchy of the five six and seven teams in the nfc got it um washington's defense has given up an absurd number of big plays like they're the one team in the nfl where it's actually possible to have explosive plays against apparently yeah um and look stafford has been dealing all season long their receivers are good they can make those explosive plays cooper cup Pukunakua. um so i kind of feel like this should be a pretty good game for the rams offense and and washington no longer has the edge rushers to you know really attack that offensive line that can be a weakness yeah we're talking fun stafford we're we're talking um i think a healthier cooper cup over the last few weeks looking better puka nakua making his big plays i think there there should be some big plays to be made here Mm -hmm. um with the commanders and the rams Um, we usually spend our commanders time talking about sam howell i think he's come back down to earth a little bit in recent weeks and um, look, I, it'll be a new regime there in Washington. They'll have some decisions to make around Sam Howell. I think he's still been intriguing. But um, where do you stand now as we get into the last four games of the season here with Sam Howell? On Howell? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't played as well uh, recently as he was playing earlier in the season. I, I still think it's reasonably encouraging that I think the sack thing is better 
than it used to be. Like that part of his game has stayed relatively constant um, in terms of better than it was. And he's not taking nine sacks a game. He's not taking six sacks a game. He's taking three or four, which is still not good, but it's, it's better. Um, and I think that is still his biggest weakness or his biggest weak area. But the big plays have dried up. Like earlier in the season, he was leading the league in big-time throws. He went two games without any and had one against the Dolphins. That, that needs to stay – like he needs to have those in his game for Sam Howell to be intriguing. Otherwise, he's just a quarterback with weaknesses that isn't making big plays. Like the whole selling point on Sam Howell is, yeah, there's going to be some bad in there, but he's going to sling the ball around the place. He's going to make a bunch of big-time throws. He can offset, you know, a, a sack there that he shouldn't have taken or, you know, a turnover-worthy play that shouldn't be there with a couple of bombs and flip the field and yada, yada, right? It's like a poor man's version of Josh Allen. But if the big plays aren't there, then you're just a not great quarterback. Um, two more quick things to highlight here. Kobe Turner for the Rams. Now the second highest graded defensive player on the Rams behind Aaron Donald. So the rookie defensive tackle drafted in the third round, 90th overall by the Rams. Both of us liked him a lot coming out of college. Um, he's on a bit of a stretch here, grading at 78 or better as a pass rusher. So keep an eye on Kobe Turner as he develops here in the second half of the year. And just the overall job that Sean McVay has done with the Rams, their run game, Kyron Williams, we already said on our prize picks lineup, we got him going more on his uh, rushing total. They've done some really good stuff. They've been creative. I think it's been a it's been a fun coaching effort, I think, by the Rams and McVay in a season where, you know, again, coming in, it was like they've got three or four established players and that's it. And they've been extremely competitive. So they had a, a big chance here to get to 7-7, seven and seven, get back to 500, sneak back into the playoff picture. Um, where are you going with this one? Rams favored by six and a half. Uh, Rams, I think that they can make enough explosive plays to actually win this game relatively comfortably. Okay, I got Washington because of the points. I'll take them, you know, within six and a half. I like the Rams to win, but could be, uh, I think this could end up becoming a high scoring game here. Only two games left. I think we're making good pace. We got seven minutes left, and one of them is the 49ers and the Cardinals. Yeah. Niners favored by 12 and a half. My question to you, because the Niners have just beaten the best teams in the league by a million. Yeah. Why are they only favored by 12 and a half here? I saw that in your notes. Only 12 and a half, question mark. That's my, that's my note for this mm-hmm. game. Are you forgetting the last time these two teams played? Yes. Ah, okay. Well, that would explain it. They had Josh Dobbs. They did. I didn't forget. Josh You're Dobbs telling me they making... downgraded a quarterback by, by getting Kyler Murray? Josh Dobbs had one of those games. He had one of those awesome Dobbs games or like he made some big plays yeah they also they also covered way more than 12 and a half in that game by the way it was just for a long time they didn't yeah it was right. close but yeah the Niners they're they're cooking now I mean you could say hey the Niners are they played a division game it was multiple games against the Seahawks it was the Eagles there was all these huge games that there'll be a letdown here no I mean I think you're right like they <laughs> that offense looks unstoppable when everybody's healthy it genuinely does they are we just talked about how hard it is for everybody to create explosive plays. Well, they're creating explosive plays everywhere at all levels of the defense with any type of pass. It's insane. And I think that trend that we talked about earlier in the season is still true. Brock Purdy's biggest strength is the offensive scheme's biggest weakness. So when the offense runs out is when Josh is when uh, Brock Purdy steps up and creates an ad lib play or you know extends the play and finds Brandon Ayuk down the sideline for a big play. Like, that's not one where Shanahan's system is making it happen. That's actually one where Shanahan's system essentially cramped out, right? Whatever we drew up, 
on to go to number one didn't didn't work. And Brock Purdy, like normally, that's when the the system would go bad, right? Suddenly, Jimmy G or Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard is under pressure, and he makes a mistake, or he just eats the ball, gets sacked, or you know it's an incomplete pass because he had nowhere to go. And you're like, ah, there there's the problem with Shanahan. Now that's when Purdy steps in and goes, I'm good. I can I can buy time for a little bit and find Brandon Ayuk down the field, and we still have an explosive. So. That's what makes this whole thing so freaking unstoppable right now is that it's good everywhere now. And Arizona isn't. So they should put out a lot of points. Yeah, in the Brock Purdy MVP discussion, which we're not going to dive into, you could make the case. I mean, there, again, both things are true. There's nuanced take here. Here's one other angle on it. Jimmy, we, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo have a lot of success in this offense. But if you said that Brock Purdy is now this this difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and where they are right now and you give Purdy credit for the delta there right which is out of out of structure plays under pressure plays um, Purdy also quietly has like a 90 rushing grade you know so we're only going to grade the plays where a guy's running the ball and when he runs he's picking up first downs right when he chooses to run he's beneficent with it as well or, or QB sneaks or whatever it might be all of those little things are adding up to the ridiculous production that we're seeing from Purdy. I mean, some of the stats are pretty funny. Did you know he has seven fewer pass attempts than Joe Burrow this year? No. He wow. has 18 fewer pass attempts than Lamar Jackson. I saw it. So, season. And he has 1,200 more yards than Burrow <laughs> and 600 more yards than Lamar Jackson wow. because he's averaging almost 10 yards per he's 9.9 yeah. yards per attempt that's crazy so if they were voting on MVP I do actually think he would win today because voters are gonna just look at the stats and he's first in everything whether it's all him or not doesn't matter right I think he would win today I would voted. I will thank you to place those voters in a higher level of respect how many are, are there 50 voters I think so. still yeah so there's like 49 voters who I think would look at the stats <laughs> and am check I, the box. Am I the on one that doesn't, or is that somebody yeah, else? You would de- you would okay. you deep dive into it. Um, I so you see the nerds, you know, they love these quadrant graphs, right? Where they put everything on a quadrant, and it's like here's one yeah, random thing against another random thing, and like look at the you do the distribution. Sometimes I only do it with pressure, just because I thought that was a good one. It's a good one. But anyway, the one I saw that I thought was pretty interesting recently for for Brock Purdy in particular was. Um, it was EPA per play on quick passes. I forget what the time was, but like under two seconds or whatever. And then it was EPA per play on passes that were like long developing, long into the play clock passes. And Brock Purdy was in the Mahomes area, you know, off by itself, like way off of the best thing where he was elite at both of them. And I think that's, that's a visual representation of the argument I made before, which is Shanahan is responsible for one of those axes being really high, yeah. generally. Yep. And Purdy is responsible for the other one of them being really high. And when you put the two of them together, he's over there and nobody else is anywhere near him. Like, that's what the 49ers offense is right now. Yeah. And look, I, sometimes we, we lose perspective because we're just trying to, like, isolate what's the performance that we're seeing and let's put some context around it. And I, maybe I've been guilty of some of that with Purdy. Like, here's the thing we've seen. Here's what it means. The bigger picture of a late round pick still being early in his career and being this effective and comfortable in the pocket and, and decisive with the ball is really impressive by, by Brock Purdy. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, he's creeping up in our rankings. Right. Is he up to seventh or eighth now? Yeah. And if you just like the, we're not biased in any way, right? Like when we weren't giving Purdy as much, when he was grading at 73, 
with ridiculous stats, we would say that's more scheme driven. As the grade goes up and the production goes with it, we say that's that's more QB driven. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's been doing recently. He deserves that credit. He's been getting consistently better, um, which I think you can probably, I mean, number one, he's this is year two, right? He's young. Yeah. So that w- that's expected. Number two, remember the dude, like his elbow fell off at the end of last season. He had like a, in training camp, he couldn't throw the ball properly. They were like, we have to put him on a pitch count because he can't, he can't throw yet. Like he's, so I don't know how long a UCL injury takes to come back from of that magnitude where in the training camp, you, you're not, you're definitely not 100%. But it's entirely conceivable like that this is part of his, um, you know, recovery arc as well, that he's just getting right. healthier now and is getting better because of it. But either way, like his season is getting better the deeper it goes, which forget MVP is terrifying for every other team in the NFL. They already look like the best team in the league and their quarterback is getting better. All right, man. Niners favored by 12 and a half here at Arizona. Where are you going? Yeah, they're going to cover. <laughs> I'll take the Niners as well, as I said. Um, I think that's it. Let us know in the chat if we've missed any games. I'm pretty sure this is it. 16 of 16 here. Monday Night Football got flexed in. Philadelphia Eagles at the Seattle Seahawks. Eagles favored by four. Philly's coming off of two straight losses. And um, I know there's been a lot of teams in the middle of these huge stretches, but Seattle and Philly have both been in these very difficult stretches of games against a lot of the same teams. And now they get to play each other. Is this the... uh... Is this the AWS supercomputer devising schedules that just, like, there's going to be a stretch for every team where it's, like, brutal run? Because that's, that's where the money is. We can sell that as a story. I don't know. I told you, you haven't last even considered th- that, you guys, with your, like, whatever you were doing before that. But now the supercomputer is creating narratives. I told you last year, I feel like the supercomputer set it up so it was good on good and bad on bad early right so that all the records were close but now they've decided actually yeah. that the real money here is it is creating these in-season narratives of yeah. awful schedule for they've a run. basically set up the nba in-season tournament yes without saying it right it's like all right eagles you're gonna play five of the seven best teams in the league mm-hmm. in five straight weeks go get them um and seattle had to do the same exact thing yep um, so, yeah, the Eagles sitting there at 10-3. and three. They still have a chance at that number one seed, of course, and or a two seed in the NFC East. And um, Seattle right now, one of the five, six, and seven teams. And as as we kind of predicted, they were six and four, right? Six and four, and now they're six and seven because they've run into the stretch of playing the Niners and the Cowboys and all the good teams. And it continues. Can they compete against the Eagles here at home? Light rain. That's Light yeah, rain. Which is really clear. Right for, for Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> Light rain is clear. It's like a nice summer day. Yes. Um, You're yeah. familiar with that in the British Isles. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of rain there. Yeah. Um, that's why everything's green. That's why um, it's so cranky and miserable. That too. So two things in this game. Number one, this is the first game in a while the Eagles have more rest than the other team. They went on a run of like three or four games straight where they were out there like a day less than everybody else or like a time difference less. Um, number two... This is kind of like in coming from the opposite direction, but this is the same game as Dallas had against Seattle a few weeks ago, where it's like a stepping stone between where they were trying to get where they were and where they were trying to get to. Like we've only beaten bad teams and lost against good teams. And now Seattle is this team in the middle somewhere. And that was a close game and, and Dallas was able to overcome that. I think that was a legitimate stepping stone on the way to beating Philadelphia. And now genuinely being able to sit there and say we're the second best team in the NFL or at least the NFC 
now you've got Philadelphia, who were, or at least may have thought themselves, the number one team in the NFC and maybe NFL. And now they've lost a couple of games, including against Dallas. And now they have to, like, reverse or halt the skid against this middle-of-the-road team like Seattle and say, no, no, we can't. Losing to Dallas, okay, we can, you know, they're good pass rush, great team at home, blah, blah, blah. If we lose against Seattle as well in the course of this, now we're in trouble. So I think it's this fascinating, like, reverse game from the one we had a few weeks ago with uh, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. And I thought the Seahawks-Cowboys game, because this is the stretch Seattle's had. They lost to the Rams in a, in a tough one, but then they lost by multiple scores against the 49ers were competitive against the Cowboys. I thought that was actually encouraging that they hung with the Cowboys and the offense came to life right. against well, Dallas. This would be the first game of the losing skid that doesn't just make sense in terms of you ran up against an amazing team. You know, like you lose to the 49ers. Okay, everybody is when they're healthy. You lose to Dallas, elite pass rush, and maybe they are actually that good. Now you lose to Seattle, even if it's on the road. It's like, I mean, we know they're not that good. Like this is now a bigger problem than it was. Geno Smith questionable right now. Don't know what his status is going to be. Of course, Drew Locke had to play last week on right. a late groin injury for Geno Smith. Uh, Devin Witherspoon has a hip pointer, Sam. Yeah, you don't see a lot of hip pointers these I'm days. I'm highlighting this because that was the most common injury in Madden 95. <laughs> and I used to think as a, as a youngster that everybody in the NFL always got hip pointers always. because that's what Madden taught me back in the mid-90s. I haven't seen a hip pointer in a while, and I just wanted to highlight that's what Devin Witherspoon's dealing with. He's questionable. It does it's feel not like, bruised ribs per Pete Carroll. Yeah, it does feel like you used to get a lot more hip pointers. You used to get more hip pointers, but I think they've done great things with hip pointers in, the, in recent years. Which is especially unusual because you used to get them when they wore those specific hip pads. Like, they actually had a hip pad, I think, specifically to prevent a hip pointer. And now you don't see a hip pointer pad, and yet hip pointers have disappeared. Look, I mean, if you learn nothing else from two and a half hours of PFF NFL podcast, you'll learn that it's the year of we're cu- we've been cutting down. We've made great strides yeah. on handling high ankle sprains and hit points. No, the thing, to, the thing to learn from it, the takeaway, the moral of the story is those stupid giant hip pads that they used <laughs> to make you wear were pointless. And the fact that I never actually wore them because they were so annoying. You were correct. I'm You're vindicated right. for never wearing them. You, you, I never suffered a hip pointer. And apparently neither does any other NFL player without those pads. We got to t- figure out if Devin Witherspoon's hiding some pads in there. And that's why he has one. Mm. Anyway, keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, so can the Eagles bounce back here? And can the... The Seahawks, the poor Seahawks, have to try to salvage their season. The poor Seahawks. I mean, so if the Eagles get through this, um, what do they have? They have two games against the Giants. I lost, uh, I lost track. But they have an easier schedule. They already played the Commanders. Where are we here? They have uh, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. That's again. what it is. Giants, Cardinals, Giants. If the Eagles get past Seattle, yeah. theoretically, they should win their last three games. Right. And put all the pressure back on Dallas to win out. Who have a they have the, the Bills, the Lions? They have a tougher schedule. Like as as bad as it feels for the Eagles coming off two losses, I think they control their status as the number as a potential number one seed because they would still have to leapfrog the Niners. Right, but it's also I think why this game is quite important because you're probably not going to get anything meaningful from those next three games. So yeah. even if they even if they lose this game. They'll win the next three, and you'll be like, oh, it's back on track. But it might not be. They might just play three bad teams. This is the one where it's actually this is a real op- this is a real opponent. So if you lose this game, now you don't get another real opponent until the playoffs, where it might be too late to find out if you need to fix something. 
Like winning this game is actually, I think, fairly important for them to say, no, no, we're still good. We just ran up against two other very good teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles get back, get their uh, if Witherspoon's banged up. I think uh, is um, Tariq Woolen banged up too. No, he seems fine. Um, I don't know. I think the I think the Eagles will have some opportunities to make some big plays in the pass game. Jamal Adams has taken a lot of heat in Seattle mm. because um, I had to answer some questions on Seattle radio yesterday. I'm like, well, he plays close to the line of scrimmage, which is like target on your back when you're facing Shanahan and the Niners. Yeah. So that's how they're you know they're isolating Debo Samuel on him. But yeah, he has not been great. Um, back seven for Seattle outside of Devin Witherspoon, basically a big question mark. So I mean, I think the Eagles will have some big plays to be to be had there. Yeah, I think the purpose of Jamal Adams has kind of gone away in recent years. Like he, he started off as this, not even Jack of all trades, but like a guy that could play anywhere within that jets defense, right? Be deep, uh, free safety, be at the line of scrimmage, cover anything you needed him to. And then obviously they traded for him for a couple of first round picks and injuries have been a big problem, but he's just not, he doesn't have a spot anymore in a defense. Like he's basically playing linebacker, but he isn't a good linebacker. Yeah. So it's like, well, what do you, like, what is this? All right, man. Eagles favored by by four in Seattle here. Not sure on Geno Smith or Drew Locke. By the way, Drew Locke had four turnover-worthy plays last week against the Niners. So, something to keep an eye on there. Yeah. I mean, I can't. If, if Geno Smith plays, I think it's a very interesting game. If Drew Locke plays as much as Drew Locke hasn't been horrendous, I feel like it's a fairly comfortable Philadelphia win. Um, either way, I think the Eagles will sneak it in cover. So, you don't want to do wit without... No, Seattle I think either cover. way they're going to win. It's just home it's dogs closer. with Geno Smith, potentially. Yeah, that that I think at least makes it very close. But I think either way, Philadelphia wins and covers. All right, I'll take the Eagles as well to cover this. Um, I'll give a season update someday. But last week, just so you know, did we get our ass kicked by your child again? Nope. Oh. you and you and I each had nine wins, and Harry had four. Perfect. Um, I did not give him the he did not get his pick for the Patriots Steelers in in time. Uh huh. Um, so he would have. He claims he would have taken New England. I'm not going to give him. No. He's got a, sh- a sheet that he writes. He's giving himself credit for the Patriots. No. I refuse to. So he was. He. So that's a null. There game are rules him. to this. Yes. You got to learn how the the, the grown up world. He should have called me. Right. From Disneyland mm-hmm. with his pick. Yeah. He didn't. That's on, on him. him. On him. He knows Thursday night football happens every week. Yeah. So nine for Sam. Nine for Steve. Four for Harry. Eat that eight year old. What is he? Eight or seven? He's eight. Tell me, he's your child. Lost track for a minute. You're saying there are rules to this, you know? This is the way the the grown-up world works. You're going to have to suffer the consequences. Yes. Just as my child is presuming you're going to have to learn that in the spelling bee tomorrow. Oh, good luck with that. Yeah. Can you spell the words that she has to? No. (laughs) Certainly not Papa Ketapetl. Is she good at it? What is it? What word? Papa Ketapetl. Oh. It's a mountain. Perpendicularity? That too. That's easy. I have to think about that word every time I say it because... Nobody's ever said it out loud. It before. rolls off the like, tongue. Perpendicular makes sense. Perpendicularity only exists because people have decided it needs to have like a a noun state. You can add larity to any word. That's what I mean. Yeah. But but like but that's why the word exists. It's because somebody has just decided that that part like it needs to have that noun state. Like perpendicular, people say it's part of you know it, it describes something. Perpendicularity, no. That you've just invented that. It's not a word that people use. It's fake. It's a fake word. Well, you better, as long as you can spell it yeah. tomorrow, or at least Scout can. Along with Papa Cat. That's it. I'm going to stop hitting the table. Mm. We're out of here. You can review Thursday Night Football tomorrow. Enjoy that.
Thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'll see you again on Monday. No, reviewing all. I'm not here tomorrow. It's uh, it's Brad oh, and Trev. It's, it's Brad and uh, Trevor tomorrow. Yep. Well, they'll they'll be great tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow, and Sam and I will be back Monday morning reviewing all the Week 15 NFL action.